people, it's time to make the rest of much fun older games can be. How do we do that? I suggest we go on a road trip of sort of people repose type. Perhaps if people see them in action, the need for only the newest and shiniest things won't be so strong. We'll also need to gussy them up so they don't sound old. Maybe that sounds a little disingenuous, but some people's minds seem to automatically switch off if something's just a little bit older. Nah, I have a better idea. Nah, I have a better idea. We'll trust in people to find good games no matter how old they might be. After all, customers are never wrong. Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome aboard the magical flight of the RPG Backtrack. This is episode number 219. Peregrine Falcom, I am Phil Willis, and this is the one and the only Mr. Mike Minky. If only you listeners knew just how many technical difficulties we've been experiencing before this episode could commence. Windows 10 is not your friend. It's not just Windows 10, although I suppose it's mostly Windows 10. You know, when when Microsoft tells me, hey, we restarted your machine so that you can have the newest version of Microsoft Edge... I didn't know that that would presage me having to restart my computer six different times during the day to finally get something. Hey, Mike, did you know that Windows is a service? Oh, and you know, I hear Microsoft is raking in money from all of its wonderful service options. Yeah, lots of service options. They don't sell software. They sell services. Well, I hope they continue to make enormous money because all of the success is well earned. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, speaking of success, we got a couple of successful guests to help us uh, talk about some games today. We got Mr. Mashua Tarpenter. Yep. Here I'm ready to talk about Falcon. And uh, we got Miss Millie Kayan. Man, if, uh, if by success you mean being a, uh, being a millionaire in Animal Crossing, yes, I'm very successful. Do you have lots of bells? I have lots of bells. But nice. Via selling items that were duplicated. 
I feel like we're going to be talking about that on the final lap. Yeah. Uh, very excited. Lots of Animal Crossing talk going on lately. Uh, but before we can talk about that in our final lap segment, we have a pretty wild and crazy main event today as we talk about a lot of Nihon Falcom games. Uh, just, what do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six? Looks like six. Six, yep. yeah. Six? What's six? A sextet? It is a sextet. Uh, nice. My. Fel- the Falcom games that are not. Um trails or oh but ease is so good i'm playing ease right now it's so good (laughs) and there might even be a mention of a seventh imported nice well let's get right to it we're gonna take a break there are plenty of other import falcom games that i can mention that i played sorcerian on mega drive i (laughs) didn't really understand what i was doing but i played it for about 20 minutes Well, 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 we got a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump right into it uh, after we take this commercial break. We'll be right back. This is the main event where we take a game or a series of games and we open them all up like a six-pack of beer. Today's six-pack is Sick Falcom Games starting with Puffle Mail. This was developed by Falcom Published by Working Designs on the Sega CD. Uh, it was also released on a variety of other platforms, but we're focusing on the Sega CD because that's the picture I have. This was released, oh, let's see here, I believe it was uh, Sega CD in Japan, April 1st, 1994, North America, February 23rd, 1995. This is an action-adventure RPG platform mishmash with some Metrovania, Metrovania elements, single-player experience. I'm not sure if Metroidvania is appropriate, considering that this came out before anybody used that term. Mike, Mike, Wikipedia is never wrong. If it called it a proto-Metroidvania, maybe I would accept it. But I I must occasionally find difficulties with the terminology that Wikipedia uses. Hmm? Because Wikipedia's desire to be all-inclusive and not to rub anybody the wrong way, it can, in fact, go a little too far in being mm, bland. Get out. But let's talk about uh, the game. Who wants to tell me about the story of Popful Mail? I've only played a little bit. I've only played a little bit of Popful Mail, and all I know is that it is expensive and that I think it was at one point going to be a Sonic game. Let's see... I don't remember the origin. Well, it came out on what the PC eighty eight ninety eight, one of those Japanese computers, because Falcom made almost exclusively games for those for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
and then we got the the mega CD version, and somehow Victor Ireland decided that Working Designs between Lunar Games on Sega CD would put out this. And I'm happy because this was one of the few times that a Falcom game crossed the ocean during the mid-90s. And, okay, the story. Mail is a bounty hunter who is not particularly good at her job. She eventually encounters a, a mage apprentice named Tat and a cute little monster named Gaw. And the three of them go journeying to a magical kingdom where, oh my goodness, there is an ancient evil force that someone seeks to unearth and try to use its power for his own nefarious purposes. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Uh, just a little bit. And there are some amusing characters, such as Muttonhead, the rogue magician, or Nutscracker, the... What the hell was he? He was some kind of puppet man who's who has a bizarre Cajun accent, of all things. <laughs> this is, of course, in the Working Designs dub, where in the usual Working Designs way, many NPC dialogues or conversations will just be thrown out entirely and working designs will put in whatever goofiness they felt like. Which, if you get an elaborate dragnet homage of all things, that's that's going to be... Yeah, because a lot of teenagers in the 90s are going to know what dragnet was. I mean, maybe they they watched a lot of Nick at Night, like I did. I watched a lot of Nick at Night, but I don't remember dragnet on it. I always got I Love Lucy or The Munsters or... I dream of genie. <laughs> um, so, from what, so, sorry, sorry. From what little I played of it, I did really enjoy the opening. That was very silly, and I have to admit, if I would have played this back in the day, I would have been very impressed by that. Yeah, keeping in mind that we're on the Sega CD, of course, all of the videos are compressed to fit into a, a portion of the screen because the Sega CD was not the powerhouse of a processor that Sega necessarily touted it to be. But they are they are cute animations, and you get a pretty regular stream game. I think I beat it in six or seven hours. And oh, wow. I, I got stuck and couldn't figure out where to go. I can't, Unfortunately, my memories are not terribly fresh here, so I the areas in and of themselves are not particularly inspired in their design oh my goodness it's a frozen cold wasteland oh we're inside a volcano we're in an underground cave but they're fun because partly because of the animations you you've played enough to say <laughs> you've probably played enough to say kelly that uh the sprite work is very cute right oh yeah it, it was definitely very cute and um like ripped right out of the Egypt, or the three and from what i could tell except better from what i east three came holy crap cats or four years earlier and back in the 90s remember the pace of technological progress was moving along so quickly compared to now where i don't know your latest tom clancy guy might have a little more stubble on his face that you can see than the last tom clancy game i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> now the, the rpg elements aren't directly there because there's no experience there's no leveling but you do have to grind for gold and if you don't have the best equipment you will regret it because in another patented working designs touch the game was considered too easy so we needed to change oh. that a little bit 
Oh, good lord. <laughs> Through I... such... One of, the, one of the cheaper ways that this was done was by uh, almost eliminating any after-hit invincibility. So yeah. you can get counted real fast. Yeah, I noticed that quite early on. And... I want to say that the damage done by enemies was also increased because, of course, why not? It, it's got to be hard. Otherwise, people won't want... Did anybody ever rent Sega CD games? I wonder about that. Um, I I did, but that was a long time ago. Uh, they did, Blockbuster did not have Sega CD games for very long. Can't say I'm shocked. Uh, I'm trying to remember the other... Ah, uh, yes. The the final battles are pretty good because each of them are tailored to the character. Gaw is a cute little purple monster that jumps really high. He's, he's not very fast, but he swings his claws around. He's... You've seen his picture, right, Kelly? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little monster. He's like on the cover of the box art. Very cute. Um, I, I, I don't know what he, he kind of reminds me of the dinosaurs from uh, Dig Dug. I can see that. Yeah, or maybe a little of the the dragons from Bubble Bobble. Yeah, that too. Anyway, the final battle is each character has their own final boss, and you better have the best equipment, or else you're probably going to be struggling to do any damage because uh male in particular i remember having to you can only have one other thing equipped simultaneously so i would be switching to her her high offensive capability thing and then the instant that the final boss would grab me and slam me down to the ground i would switch to something with high defense and only 100 hit points may not sound like too much but when you're taking off three with each hit and you have to watch for each hit and you have to heal by eating a lot of food. It's slightly tedious, but I remember having... Once I figured out what the hell I was doing, beating it. And all of the bosses, actually, are quite impressive to look at, because they're gigantic. They take up most of the screen. Which, I guess if you'd played Yoshi's Island at the time, then that's not so impressive. But for sake of hardware, it was nice. Yeah, I can see that. And maybe, just maybe... The backtrack will have a predictive power again and prompt Falcom to rethink its abandonment of Popful Mail and give it another shot for the modern day. Because what can you play it on now? You can get your Sega CD out, and I'm sure Phil will enjoy looking at the beautiful prices of Popful Mail on Sega CD. Well, well hang on. But, but before Phil looks it up, I just want to give an antidote or antidote that. Um... This, the one of the used game stores I have near my house has had a uh, just a disc copy in stock for like two years, and they want to buy it. And it's just the disc. Buy it, buy it. Pre-owned, pre-owned. The game is five hundred dollars, but of course, our viewers, because we totally have viewers on the show, they demand the best. They want brand new, still in the shrink wrap, popful, magical, popful mail. A fantasy adventure can be yours. Brand new condition. No returns allowed. For the low, low price of $5,500. But hey, it oh. comes with free shipping. From where? Antarctica? <laughs> Orlando. Mickey, Mickey Mouse himself is going to you know, drop that in the mail for you. 
I mean, uh, just... I think he has to wait a couple of weeks, Phil. Or is Orlando allowed to open yet? Yeah, it's May. Uh, yeah, he says you get it by May 27th to May 29th. I mean, it had kind of had the one-two punch of being on the Sega CD, which not many people owned, and then being a late-era release, which also not many people took advantage of. So that I think that one and Magical Chase, or no, KO Flying Squadron, are the two most expensive Sega CD games you'll ever run across. Makes me want to. Uh, dig- I know I have a copy of it somewhere. I can't. I think it's in storage. I need to dig it out. You are my new best friend because you're rich. <laughs> I'm gonna say, hang on to that bad boy. That's a well. Uh, you don't have kids that I know of, so um, I that's a retirement re- program. Retirement fund. Yes. Uh, yeah. Your other options, if you want to play it, are the original PC88 or PC98. I. I don't know my Japanese home computers that well. It's on one of them. Or you can play the Super Famicom version, which I don't think has ever been translated and is different from the Sega CD. So what we say here may not apply. And there's one on the PC CD, I believe. I'm sorry, the TurboGrafx CD or the PC CD, which sounds redundant, but why did they have to call it the PC engine? I don't know. Because Japan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sadly, I don't remember any of the music right now, but I also don't remember it being obnoxious. The voice acting from Working Designs was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from what I could tell, it was a cute little game. I, I wish I would have gotten a copy of it back in the day, not just because of the uh, value that it holds. Oh, darn, unfortunately, uh, Popful Mail is not going to be on the um, TurboGrafx Mini, which comes out tomorrow to date this podcast a little bit. Yeah, that probably required a slight bit of effort from the people putting it together, so no, no dice. Well, maybe maybe we should move on to something that's a little bit more accessible. Is there anything else you want to say before I do so? Well, we, we would have cover? a very hard time sustaining an entire show just on Popful Mail based on my distant memories and Kelly's incomplete playthrough, but it is definitely worth experiencing, although I don't know that I would recommend it at the price you cited there, Phil. People may, in fact, want to pay rent for several months over <laughs> getting this game. That's just my theory, though. Okay, but maybe they got maybe they just got some government stimulus, an extra six hundred bucks a week, you know, from unemployment, burning a hole in their pocket. And... Nah, I think you could like get a pretty decent used car for what you could pay for that. I know, right? My use and... the, my wife's used car was actually a little less than that. I know someone I who just got a used car for two hundred dollars. <laughs> And like I can't even bring myself to talk myself into just the disc for two hundred. Do it, do it. No, I've got better things to spend my money on. Well, maybe, maybe some of those better things includes Zwei. Is that what we call Zwei? Zwei. 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 It's German for two. Okay, the Argus, Argus, Arguus, Adventure. I hate these names. Okay, this is, uh, I do like this uh, uh, Japanese 2 cover art because it just says Zwei with two exclamation marks after it because it's just that, it looks very exciting font. Uh, developed by Nihon Falcom, published uh, on the PlayStation 2 by, by Taito, Windows by Xseed Games. This was released on the PlayStation Portable, the PlayStation 2, Microsoft Windows. We 
We have, uh, it was originally released in Japan August 26, uh, 2004 on the PlayStation 2, on the PC on December 30, 2001. But we got a PC worldwide release on January 25th, 2018, an action RPG experience. So, Josh, what is that? That's about a 17-year separation between its original release and its localization? Yeah, something like that. It's got to be one of the longer layovers for a localization. I mean, when they when, when Exceed announced they were localizing this, I, I think everyone, or, or, you know, anyone who followed Falcom was kind of stunned because these games were so out of, you know, have been so long and so out of print. And this one especially is kind of the less accessible of the two and, and quite oddly this this one uh actually came out they released uh zvi and zvi 2 and they released zvi 2 as the ilvard which we'll get to in a few minutes but um they released zvi 2 first and then this one came out like nine months later i think after they released zvi 2 so they released the map four but hmm? but still no enough to notice yeah yeah that, that's part of the reason behind the titling was, you know, they, they did it, the Argus Adventure and then Ilvard Insurrection, so you wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be quite so obvious. Because in Japan, it was Zvi and Zvi 2. Wonderfully. Yeah, 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> yeah, I, I maybe Falcom will come up with the Dose series next, and we'll get a Dose 2. <laughs> now, what is it with Falcom games and real stuff out of order? Because I recall that first Legend of Heroes G also came out of order. Well, in that case, it's but, not Falcom's fault. It's the, you know, it's uh, the localizer doing it. Are you talking it. about yeah. PSP remakes? They're yes, like, yes. <laughs> yes, we have covered those. <laughs> I want to say that the first one was Bandai Namco, and then I don't know who did the other two. I never, I played them once, or I played the first one and then got stuck. Never touched it again, but I digress. So it's fine. Zvi. The original Zvi. So this one stars two siblings, step-siblings, I should say, Pipro and Pockle. And Lord help, Pipro is probably one of my favorite RPG characters of the last few years. She is just an absolute hoot. She has ab she has no filter for whatsoever. She always says the the first thing that comes into her head, no matter how offensive or <laughs> What sort of trouble it may get her into. That is Pipro, yes. Yeah, she is such a hoot. I love Pipro. Um, so the two of them are living in this small town, and there's like this big uh, museum on the edge of town, and some idols are stolen, and the rich guy in town offers a big reward if someone will go and find the idols that, that, that have been stolen. It's kind of like the town's big calling card thing. And so, you know, People like uh, to really know what the heck they're for. They're just decorative. No, no, we, no, just just need them. Pockle's all excited to go and, you know, and Pipro's excited to go along and try and get the big reward. <laughs> yeah, which is offered by the rich man in town who has built a dungeon in his basement full of robot maids. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that's one of the later story beats is you find out like, oh, yeah, actually, I don't have any money because I kind of poured it all into my uh, th this giant dungeon beneath my uh, mansion. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I want to cite that it, you can have Pockle or Pipero, depending on who's in, at the lead, say a whole bunch of things about the scenery around town. I find yeah. I find that was cute. <laughs> 
The the game has a, a really cute art style for something that's what well we were what like kind of PS one ish era then. Yeah, um, it looked it looked very um cr crossing that bridge. Yeah, yeah. I I mean the the sprite work on it is fantastic. Pockle just has this like dumb silly grin on his face all the time that I just absolutely adore. <laughs> but I love this. I did love the sprite work in this game. It was very adorable. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's even deceptive because the enemies look so cute that you wouldn't think that they could kill you in a couple of seconds, but they can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, some of those enemies can be nasty. Um, oh, geez, like getting uh, just something popped into my head from Pipro. Like, I just remember there, there's this one scene where Pipro, once again, it has like a bunch of like a lot of Falcom games, a lot, a lot of in interesting um, NPCs. But I remember this one where it's this this. Uh, woman who's all excited because she's going on a date with her husband and Pipro just kind of like pipes back to her like yeah yeah we get it you two are gonna bone congratulations <laughs> <laughs> the 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 localization that XE put into this game was just I that that was also a big part of it it has a lot of personality and it's a lot of fun to experience yes it does I I have absolutely no complaints about the localization I Unfortunately, didn't take down any lines from the first spy, but I did take down a few from the second spy, if I could find them wherever the hell they went. Yeah. Uh, un unfortunately, because of the release order, I've tried to play this one second, and we'll get into talk about the but uh, I, I didn't get very far past the first dungeon, so um, I didn't get really get to, get to spend much time with this one as I would have liked, and that's kind of sad because I really want to see some of this, some of uh, Pipro's dirty mouth and um, the other kids whose name I'm, I'm blanking on now. Pockles like terrible puns. Yeah, just completely, uh, completely being embarrassed. I imagine that he gets embarrassed by his sister quite a bit. Oh, of course. Yeah. And the other thing that I'm curious about, and you need to confirm if this exists, is there really a ease typing game within the game? Yes. yes. There okay. is. There are three mini games. One is the ease, the typing of ease, where you just sit up to your keyboard and start typing away. And there's a sh there's a shooting game. Or, I'm sorry, a shoot 'em up game where I either suck or Falcom doesn't make shooting games very well because I kept getting killed. <laughs> yeah, I remember not doing well with that. And the third one, the third one was some kind of a puzzler. Uh, I don't remember the third one. It, it was about trying to create a path for some rabbity thing that needed to get to the top. And if you take too long, then the screen fills up. It, it, it's similar to Tetris, but different. Yeah. It sounds kind of like Mr. Driller, the way you describe it. I wish or... I could say, because I don't remember how much Mr. Driller plays, unfortunately. Uh... Uh, oh yes, Josh, we must finish the deep and complicated narrative of Spy. There, there is so much more to say, after all. There is? <laughs> well, you for we forgot to mention that a mysterious masked man was the one who took the, the idols. Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. <laughs> who eventually is revealed to be the ancient knight Paradise, who is from 500 years ago and his reason to do this was that he wanted to get what the hell is the name of the lady that was stuck helping keep the demon lord sealed uh do you remember josh no i don't remember 
Oh no. She had been sealed for 500 years and he just wanted to undo the seals in order to get her out and then he would go and deal with the demon lord even though he failed at it 500 years ago and he hasn't gotten stronger in the last 500 years. But Shocker! All of those seals were holding an ancient demon lord named Vesper in place and at the end you gotta fight him. And because you are, of course, 14-year-old champions of everything, you are able to do what the ancient champions of five centuries earlier could not and kick the demon lord's butt. I tell you, like, the thing I remember most about that is, like, at, at the end of the game, the, the demon lord reappearing causes it to snow, and Pipro starts cursing the demon lord for deigning to make it snow on her. <laughs> that is a very Pippero thing to see, do. See, see, that's the parts of this game that I remember. The story was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. There was, there, you know, there was a reason. It was just an excuse to hang out with Pippero and Paco for, you know, twenty hours. <laughs> yeah, because I found that I consulted a fact frequently, given that there are a lot of d a dungeon options, but it's not entirely clear how you get into some of them. You, you yeah. often have to experiment around and see what, what what the hell do I do here? Oh, I guess I need a uh, a gadget that I will get later on. The maybe <laughs> or maybe oh I can't yeah get yeah that, that was a big part of the dungeon design in that game where you yeah kind of have like things you couldn't get past and it wasn't <laughs> always a hundred percent clear that like oh yeah I'm stuck here until I get this this other uh, you know item later on that will let me get past it. Yeah, and some of them just have recommended – all of them have a recommended level for you to be, which doesn't help if you think, hey, I am the recommended level. Why can't I get in there? Uh, because you haven't met the requirements, which the game doesn't clearly tell you. <laughs> oh, man, the levels. That kind of leads into one of the other things this game is famous or slash infamous for is the leveling. Because it's not a traditional RPG rather than leveling up just by – killing enemies instead you're collecting food that's the only way that you actually gain gain uh, levels and experience is by eating food and the system is centered around like not basically most of the time it, it also food will also refill your health so there's a little bit of a essentially like a little bit of strategy in de determining like okay do i want to spend this on you know making sure that i'm still full on health because like the other end of that strategy is you're trying to like take 10 of the same food items and you can take it to a uh, a shop in town and trade them in for like a piece of food that will give you way more experience than the uh, 10 individual items would have It'll give you – I think I measured this. It gives you 50% more experience by itself than you would if you ate all 10 of the ingredients. Yeah. But yeah. it won't give you anywhere near as much health replenishment if you no. need that. And this game does have a severe inventory cap, which can get yeah. annoying if you're trying to do that because it yeah. includes all of your equipment and all of the things that you need to have hanging around for the magnet for setting up certain uh, dungeon access or what was it? The, it wasn't a bungee cord. It was something that allows you to get yourself across gaps, but I can't even remember what the hell it was. Well, it was a rope, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. But you can't really ever take that stuff out of your inventory in case you the next dungeon you go to requires it. No. Yeah, so item management was just a pain. 
and you can enlarge your inventory. There are sacks that do this, but even so, if you're trying to collect a lot of food so that you can go and exchange it, then you're going to be constantly having to go back and exchange it because you ran out of room. Hmm. And I also want to address the combat system because, yes, everything is cute. I think there could have been a little better indicator of uh, when you're being attacked, though, because as it is, you kind of just have to gauge, oh, crap, my HP is going down, or, oh, no, Pockle is making his horrible uh, squeaking sound that he makes when he gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. And you can die real fast. Yes, you can. That That's part of why I ended up bouncing the game, the game as quickly as I did, because I was actually trying to play it um, via a controller hooked up on my TV. And I could tell that this game was not optimized for controller support, because, um, like, all the menus and stuff were so floaty, and the combat just felt so floaty. Um, p p poor, the, poor kid was just clearly all, was all over the place while I was trying to fight, and it was very frustrating, I found. Yeah. I was able to make controller on steam but yeah it, it's clear that the, especially when you go and navigate the inventory it takes a while you have mm -hmm. to go through each inventory slot and m put them in and if you want it to be in there for a boss fight then you need to have it be in the active area yeah you, oh yeah you can, yeah you can tell it was originally a pc game not a not a console game yeah i'm, I'm kind of curious how it plays on psp given the there are not very many buttons compared to a keyboard on the PSP. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe they optimized it a little bit better. Who knows? I'm not and even it, sure who did that port, <laughs> if that was Falcom or someone else. And it's cute that the bosses are fun, but they can also... If you go into a boss too early, as in you, you aren't ready for it, you will probably die because you just can't do enough damage before it kills you. Oh yeah, you you definitely have to be leveled up for the for those boss battles. They they can be rough. Um, one thing we didn't mention about the uh, the combat, like the 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 whole point is like you're you're as we said, you're traveling around with these two brother and sister, Pockle and uh, Pipro. Pockle does like uh, melee attacks, kind of with this big drill that he carries around. Mm. And is then Pipro a spear? I don't know. Does it really matter? I thought it, was, I thought it was a drill. I thought it was a drill, but maybe I'm, you know, influenced well, by Gurman. It just looks like a spear because uh, he kind of. All you have to do is hit the attack button, and he'll kind of auto hone in on whatever's close by. Yeah. And then Pipro kind of does like ranged uh, uh, magic. Each of which requires a separate jewel be equipped for each type of magic. So stuff you've got to keep track of even though certain magics are objectively better than others in practice it's kind of the interesting thing about these games like um none of the zvi games ever sold very well for uh, falcom but you can kind of see like the early you know like this is the very first idea of where we're using a party system in an action rpg and it's mm -hmm. kind of something that they've even though the zvi games never took off they, they've used this through line now into modern ease games where now that's just the standard okay you've got your party with the different characters with their advantages and disadvantages you know that where they'll be good against some enemies and not good against others and yeah you know, it's interesting to see how Falcom is kind of like, you know, the continuity and the development all the way through from some of these games that even weren't, you know, like uh, weren't directly related. To 
I, I'd also like to say about the combat that is a little too, or the view is a little too zoomed in here, so that you can be attacked by an enemy just as you start to realize it's there. Mm-hmm. I did, I did have fun with the game, but I also did not feel like going through and taking on the optional dungeons where you get to fight the champions of. Uh, I already forgot his name. The 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 great demon lord. Oh, Vesper, that's his name. If you want to go through these these special dungeons that were blocked until the end of the game and challenge his champions, even if you're level 30, which is the max for the game, then you'll probably have a rough time, even though you can take out Vesper himself pretty easily at that point. Yeah, the the dungeon design itself is not exactly thorough inspired, if I recall. It's just pretty much like, oh yeah, you're kind of connected room with the hallway. <laughs> but a lot of the enemies are cute. Oh, the enemies were cute. Yeah, yeah. And even if even if they were slightly like, oh yeah, it's a cute little bunny, and then it's going to come and attack you. Which is what bunnies do, usually. <laughs> or hey, it's a gigantic. What is that? A a muskrat, a beaver, some kind of rodent, and it wants to kill me. Of course. Uh, I want to cite the soundtrack because a it's quite good, and b. The Exceed version actually gives you – for the PSP version, for whatever reason, Falcom rearranged the entire soundtrack, and you can change it whenever you want between the two versions on Steam. And it's a really interesting way to experience just how tunes can be rearranged for completely different sets of optimization. I had the original soundtrack on for most of the game until I realized – what is it? Uh, the second-to-last dungeon – the, the darkness of Espina, whatever that place was, the dark dungeon. When I realized, oh, this this synth violin really isn't cutting it. What if we change the soundtrack? Oh, oh, oh! Well, that there's a real violin. That that does sound better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Falcom does that on a lot of their re-releases of games. We'll just go in when they do that kind of really livens up the game. Perhaps played before. Yeah, and. Both soundtracks have something to recommend them. Falcom games usually have worthy soundtracks, after all. But uh, while I can totally get behind the cuteness and the characters, the game itself, I wasn't overly thrilled about. Yeah. I I, I liked, I did not love Spy, the Argus Adventure. Yeah, I honestly go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I honestly think that there this game it just because I I honest I think I would have uh, not bounced on it had I played this, but because the sequel was just so polished, this one just felt like a beta version. I just I could not because it, it was a beta version. I um, I just couldn't get into it, and I I, I, I want to revisit it eventually, but yeah, I got so much other stuff to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can see the like what like seven years I think in, in mm-hmm. development time between the two. So, and I and I didn't realize until you told me that they were released out of order and that the original was pretty old at that point anyway. Yeah, yeah. That, that, they really tightened a lot of the. I I, I mean, it, it didn't just take a jump up in graphics but i mean they tightened up all the systems the leveling up is much better in the second game than it was in the first 
so it is tough to go back to like if you're going to play these games definitely start with argus adventure and don't play ilvard insurrection first because it would be really tough to go back to it i think yeah especially when you start getting bum rushed by enemies that you just barely started to see or there are points in the dungeons where the minimap even shows that enemies are there and they don't appear until you're literally underneath them. Mm-hmm. But it's cute that you can ju- air juggle enemies uh, after they're dead, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, until it slows down the whole uh, game. Another sign of the age because I. Even on a PC in 2001, I don't think these visuals would push most machines. No. 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 And Falcom's it, never been known for, like, cutting it. Never. No. And I even like the visuals. I love the sprite work from what little I played. It was just so... It reminded me of that the PS1 era when sprite work... Yeah. When we saw it. Yeah. When developers weren't forcing 3D on us that looked super awesome and cool at the time and really hasn't aged that well no it hasn't that 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 is a good way to think about the originals vi game it is like a lost ps1 game with really good modern localization slapped on it (laughs) so you're gonna have some of those shortcomings in in terms of like eh, the, the the design maybe isn't perfect but Man, you know, like the localization kind of like knocks it out of the park, like a modern localization and not a 2001 look. That is true. But, I mean, I, I could go into more about it, but I think we should probably move on unless, well, wait, 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 wait. We haven't gone through the price roundup, but given that it's this steam. has only been released digitally. It's a little bit easier. <laughs> Unless Phil wants to look at the PSP prices on eBay. I mean, the PSP is region free. I take it Phil does not want to do that, so I guess we're... Uh, I mean, I... It works. Just know that it's one of those games which was not designed with a controller, so you're going to have to go through a lot of tedious extra button presses in the menus in particular. And that that's the other frustrating thing is that the Steam release for this one and um, Zwei 2 has like a setup for being able to, to, you know, do settings for all this stuff, but it's like a separate EXE that you have to run and toggle, and it's very frustrating. You have to run that before the game starts and get your settings, and oh, nope, something doesn't work right. I gotta, gotta back out, pull up the EXE, and try again. That was... Yeah, yeah, a lot of the older Falcom PC games were like that, where they had the separate, uh, the separate EXE for the, uh, all the, yeah.
are back and we're ready to talk about Schwang, the Ilvard insurrection. It's totally called Schwang, by the way. Totally. I thought I, it was. I, I thought it was Schwang. I I know some Schwing. German people that would just. Party on, Mike. Most most excellent, Garth. Uh, I I love that movie and yeah. all, but it's not called Schwing. <laughs> the Ilward Insurrection was developed by Nihon Falcom, published worldwide by XE Games. This is released on Microsoft Windows in Japan on September 25th, 2008, and then we got it around the world on October 31st, 2017. This is another single-player action RPG experience. Now, this is the one I did finish, because after I finished um, Trails the Third, I was looking around on my Steam library, and it's like, well, I've had the Swy game sitting on here for a while. I've, let's let's see what it's like. And then took forever to get it to run, because my laptop was having issues. And then once I did, it got its hooks on me, and I could not stop playing. Well, let's see. Story time. We play as Ragna, who... Oh, oh, that's right, Josh. If you fight Pockle in the in the uh, arena with Ragna and you win, then he'll say, Oh, I just got Ragna rocked. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a perfect Pockle. <laughs> Ragna, Ragna Valentine, treasure hunter, flyer of planes... Yeah, we didn't mention that. There are planes in the Tsvai land, and Ragna is taking a delivery to the continent of Ilvard when he just gets attacked in the air by first a flying cat. Which, you know, there is, there is an evil cat in the first Tsvai. Now there's another evil cat. I I sense Kelly is not happy. No, I... I... I take offense to this. We need better cat representation. Here, I digress. The cat does have good uh, cat puns, though, as most cats in Japanese are people. Yep. And he gets shot down. He should be dead. He isn't, though, because Alwyn Dumumbria came along, made him her, her blood knight. She is a vampire. And if she makes you, if she makes you into her blood knight, then you gain... The powers of the vampires. And no, this is not a land in which vampires burst into flames in the sunlight. <laughs> yeah, this is like modern vampire that makes very loose with the vampire rule. Yeah, she doesn't bite people for blood. She stayed in her castle for the last hundred years all by herself, pretty much. <laughs> but she made, she made Ragna her blood knight because somebody just took her ancestral castle. And she's not sure who it could possibly be. And you won't learn that for a while either. And when you finally do, it's her uncle Zahar, who was supposedly killed. But he wasn't. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> of course, there will eventually be a further twist. Zahar is not the final bad guy. But that will eventually be occupied by who originally identified as Ex Machina, the puppet girl who bears an uncanny resemblance to Ragna's long-lost younger sister, Mia. Well, there's a reason she bears an uncanny resemblance. She is Mia. Gasp. Which... 
it's presented as uh, it's not presented as the the complete shocker that it could be, although it floors Ragna, which is fair since he has kind of been obsessed with this his whole life. And Mia believing that she is beyond redemption because when her powers first unleashed, they killed her and Ragna's parents in a house fire that she started inadvertently, but still. So she agrees to take on the, the essence of one of the six sealed demon lords into herself, which you can guess that's usually not a good sign. Usually if you take a, a sealed, a long sealed demon lord's power into yourself, that will probably go badly. And it does. But that's the overall story tangent. There are a lot of fun side trips along the way, such as when we have a little ninja who appears to have walked right out of Naruto. <laughs> that oh, would be Subaru. Subaru. Yes. <laughs> or Odessa. The See, unlike the first spy, there are a couple of points when Ragna is not teamed up with Alwyn. First, because he's in a deep moping point for himself that mm-hmm. Alwyn leaves him behind, mainly because he just says, I'm I'm done here, guys. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and then he gets pulled back in only for Zahar and Lackeys to kidnap Alwyn, seeking to make her the repository of the Demon Lord's power. She gets rescued, though, and is with him for the final battles because, let's face it, Alwyn is a better partner than the other two he has, even though they're they're fun as a change of pace. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I particularly like Odessa's boomerangs, and I like the touch that on the UI it uh, updated. It, I think it crossed out um, the girl's name and replaced it with whoever was in the party at the time, which was kind of a neat little touch. Yeah, and playing with Subaru or Odessa for a little while, their their movesets are really limited. All they can do is throw a projectile. Yeah, and it, that that is kind of frustrating when um, Alwyn leaves, though, because her magic is, like, ridiculous strong. I think I ended up using oh, yeah. because of how strong she I, I remember there being a couple of boss battles where I just beat the boss battle by just using her magic and just kind of running around and avoiding mm-hmm. attacks. <laughs> yeah, and of course you gain her magic back gradually because they stole all of her magic how dare they so you've got to get your elementals back first your earth then your water then your air then your fire and then later on she gets a holy spell that looks kind of like a gigantic white spear that that stays in the in the air for a minute and then near the end she gets a dark spell that is just ridiculously powerful especially there's a change here in the first spot Ifaroka could just shoot as much as she wanted, probably because you were so close to the enemies that it was really hard to avoid, even so. Mm-hmm. But now you've got a little magic meter, and Alwyn cannot just fire off endless shots without having to reload for a second. It's not a long reloading time, but in a game like this, it's noticeable. Yeah, especially in boss fights. Um, you're kind of encouraged to switch to Ragna at that point to shot some melee while you're waiting for her to recharge. But you can get an item late in the game that, if you can stay at full HP, will allow her to just cast magic endlessly. Which yeah, is the key and... if you if you want to try and get the mass the best hunter rank for bragging rights, I suppose. Yeah, because that that um, item just breaks the game in half, and it's like pretty much the only way you can beat some of the uh, arena battles. 
end the game. Like that, the the last one I think was a penguin girl <laughs> that took me like an hour to, because she hit hit like a truck. Yes, she did. That penguin was an interesting foe, especially when she kept falling asleep while you're fighting her, and that is not a time to attack. Oh no, don't do it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But I did beat the penguin eventually. It involved eating too. a whole lot of food in the battle because this is a, this is another change. There's no more inventory limit. Yeah. You can carry it around as much as you want. Hooray! It, it makes the, uh, the 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 food leveling system that once again is brought over much more palatable. Yeah, you can just go gather as much as you want and then turn in a huge quantity to get redeemed for better food all at once instead of doing it piecemeal. Yeah, I found myself keeping a lot of crappy food items on hand just for, like, small hills and then using the stuff that I would turn in to level up. Yep. yep. And I want to ch- Ragna and Alwyn are very likable characters. I mm-hmm. I really enjoyed their their pairing. <laughs> You know, I don't say that very often, so hopefully it means something. Yeah, no, the game had the potential to make them be very irritating, and they were surprisingly likable. Again, that's partly thanks to... There isn't a whole lot of voice acting, but what's there is incredibly well done, and Mm -hmm. the localization, again, is top-notch. Yeah. Pockle and Pipero are there. You can't play as them, but they are involved in the narrative, and Pipero says things like, Boy... If we ate their dust any harder, they'd be serving it on plates. <laughs> yeah, the humor is definitely there in this game, because one of my favorite running gags was Hero Guy, who you sought out to learn special. Um, I think it was like screen nukes after you learned um, various magics. Like each dungeon had at least one. It yeah. did, yeah. And I think that's where the Penguin Girls came from, too. Yeah, what is she? She's the gopher, the... MC the inter- the uh, the door guard for his mm-hmm. Coliseum arena, and oh my goodness, he's actually Alwyn's not actually dead father. He just <laughs> lost all of his magic a century ago, and decided to take the path of muscle. <laughs> <laughs> what a Let game! Exercise. <laughs> And this this game has a lot of charm and a lot of thought put into it because, like a lot of Falcom games, each uh, NPC has like their own story. Um, each chapter they kind of have their own set of dialogue. There's achievements for collecting all of their uh, story beats. Which, That's the which single is... hardest one to get. You have to yeah. try really freaking hard. Yeah, and I um... did, and I was still missing a dozen. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> I didn't really go for that achievement because I knew that it was going to be take forever. But um, a lot, a lot of the NPCs had really interesting stories, like the crazy cat lady who was mad that her husband adopted a dog. Well, I liked the ridiculous village elder whom nobody likes because he's a braggart and doesn't do anything for the village. Oh, or... I, think my, I think my favorite was the uh, the the chain smoking uh, nun. <laughs> Who charges you to confess? Yeah, <laughs> um, and wear steel-toed boots. 
One thing we forgot to mention in the last game that this game had too was pe uh, pets that you oh, get. Oh, we forgot that, about that. Yeah, that uh, oh, level yeah. level up on their own and get really useful as they level up. Like, I, of course, I use the cat the whole time because I'm basic. But the cat, when it was fully leveled up, would grab gold. Okay, I, I, it's been a long time since I played both of these, so I'm trying to remember which one had all the different apps where you could like send the pet off on uh, quests and you could watch what the pet was doing like in a little uh, monitor up on the corner. Was that this one or... Okay, that was Argus. That's right. But but in this one, you get a chance... Uh, let's see. Okay, so you get the dog, the cat, and the bird early on. And all of them are incredibly helpful because they will go around and get the money and food that gets dropped, which otherwise... Until I've played a game where I have to go pick all that crap up myself, I didn't really accept just how useful it is to have a pet go do it for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the pets will fight, and they damaged, so that's helpful. And then near the end, you get the other pets. There's the fairy, coming from the, amuse the somewhat amusing story of three fairies trying to find exactly the right place to set up their, st their shop, and... Eventually managing it. The fairy is neat because she can heal you. Not a ton, but she can heal you. Then there's the robot, which... What did it do? It, it had nice long-range attacks. Used, used lasers. And, oh yes, the kobold. Which you get as a gag gift from one of the bonus dungeons that open up near the end of the game. And as far as I could tell, it just ran around and collected things for me and didn't really do anything to help me in, in a fight, even though it's a kobold. Oh, and the kobolds are ridiculously cute, as you should expect by now. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the other thing that I liked was that the pet's appearance changed, leveled up, so the cat in its final form was a lion. And of course, it's not like a fierce lion or anything, it's just a cute little lion. The bird at max level drops bombs, which... Huh. Or, well... It, if you maneuver it so that it is seated on your head, then it will either spit out an egg, which you can eat, or it will spit out a bomb, which you should get away from because it will hurt you. Yeah, because aren't the bombs the mechanic that, like, basically like in Zelda where they blow stuff up, but then you also get hurt by them? Yeah, and that's that's the thing that one of the more annoying parts of the game that I will admit is... Uh, you can blast through the enemies, but since only bombs can take care of those cannons, or it's usually cannons, the the tools that aren't technically enemies, so your attacks don't work on bombs do. No, not ringing any bells? Yeah, no, I, um, I tended to keep a stack of bombs on me pretty much at all times just because if I need that way they were if I needed to blow something up they were there because I mean each dungeon in this game was just packed with secrets yep. and I, I was not sad I was not satisfied until I found every single one of those secrets because that's the other thing about this game too is that it has a museum that um, grows as you add more stuff to it you know kind of like Animal Crossing but they pay you for stuff at certain ranks and a lot of the stuff that you find in the museum is really neat. Like, of course, there's there's dinosaur bones, but there's also like a giant robot, or the 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 frozen woolly mammoth that they're somehow keeping on ice in the museum. Yeah. Or so, uh, oh, but oh, oh, the Easter statues. Yeah. yeah. 
And I like it when games um, have a collection mechanic like that. And oh, I forgot the other thing too. The, the arena lets you um, not only lets you refight bosses, but also has uh, models of all the enemies that you fight. Because uh, each each enemy has a chance to drop a model of itself, and you can go like view the, these models in the and uh, the arena. And uh, it's just like a cool little thing to go do when you're sick of fighting monsters. And I, I just I love it when games have a collections aspect like that. I got most of the models. I I admit that I did not go for a hundred percent on that. Yeah, no, I, I didn't go for it either just because a lot of, you know, there's a lot of rare enemies and the drop rates on those models were pretty low anyway, but it, it's still neat to go see. And I, th I think the boss models always are just after you finish, no matter what. Yeah, if you go through the arena and fight them, then you get the model. And I, it, it was so nice when you have, like, high-level high, high level magic going back and one-shotting some of those bosses. Let's see here. Oh, in the first spy, it could be difficult to figure out exactly how you could proceed into the into the next dungeon. That is pretty much gone here. It it may be blindingly obvious some of the time, but they'll tell you anyway. You know, here's what we've got to do. Can't go in there yet. And because Alwyn has teleportation magic, you can just always go back to try again if you want, because it will show you what treasures you haven't gotten from a dungeon. <laughs> And you eventually gain a neat item that will allow you to increase the level of everything in the dungeon, which will force you to pop out and let you get nothing but high-level food. <laughs> Great when you need to grind at the end game. And I, th I think the difficulty is a little more manageable here. That you you can still get killed quickly, but I don't remember ever getting almost blindsided by something that killed me in two seconds the way I did with the first spy. Yeah, it was nowhere near as grindy sometimes the first spy could be. I think I only had to grind a very, very game. And I think the, hard, the hardest boss for me was when everybody, I mean, a, a lot of the bosses in the game were kind of puzzle bosses any because you had to, uh, like the like the the one I'm thinking of is the turtle boss where you couldn't just go up to it and wail on it. You had to like figure out a way to get it to stop and move. You could go or the um, plant boss that you had to like hit its um, feelers before you could hit it. Let's see. Yeah, the turtle boss actually killed me the first time because I couldn't figure out what the hell to do, and then I mm -hmm. looked around and figured, oh, you hit it with magic, and then you can physically hit it. Got it. And then it drops bombs in the second half because that's the only way to knock it down. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Or let's see what bosses really tore me apart. The fire oh, dragon. No. I had trouble with. Mont Blanc. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot mm. about Mont Blanc. Oh god, that I that was definitely a puzzle boss where he has a uh, has a roulette and you have to hit the right one, and if you don't hit the right one, then he'll just slaughter you. Or yeah, you you have to know jump at just the right time in order to hit him or you spawn the counterattack that goes on for a good 15 seconds or so. And he gets faster as you get through the fight, which makes it worse. He doesn't have many HP, but landing any hits is not easy. No. You, ha no. you have to follow the pattern very closely. And it doesn't matter how strong you are. Mm -mm. Let's see, the final outfits you can get for Alwyn and Ragna change their appearance. 
Alwyn has turned into, oh my goodness, the schoolgirl. Yes. <laughs> the the outfit of overwhelming power. Whereas Ragna has turned into what looks like uh, some kind of a cross between a squirrel and a woodchuck, I think. <laughs> but those are their best outfits, so you probably want to wear them. I don't think I found all the outfits. I'm not. I'd have to check. But uh, the last two are rewards for completing the the bonus dungeons. Oh, I'm not sure there, if I did that. I actually did that for this game. You can go higher than level 30 here. It takes a while to get any levels beyond that, but it's possible. Just eat a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And I was just having it more fun with the combat here than I did with the first spy. Oh, the combat it, it, feels it, so good. Yeah, this is yeah. way more refined. Pretty much everything in this game is way more refined than the first one, but especially the combat. <laughs> There's enough room that you can avoid things most of the time, and... Like most Falcom games, it's usually your own fault if you get hit because the enemies are good enough about telegraphing what they're going to do that mm-hmm. you can avoid it if you're making a point of that. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, I, I liked all of the little gadgets that you get, like um, the thing that lets you hover over floors eventually that you can also use ram into enemies and um, basically just turn everything into a bullet. It's really handy, especially for some bottomless pits that start popping up around then. Well, you, you don't die, but you get hurt. Unless you're floating. And a great way to um, grind up money, float, ram into everything. Your pet collects all the money for you. And let's see, that also leads into the terrible mini game, which is the only way you can get the, the light elemental super attack. Remember this, where you go race down the mountain with the kappa? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've played it enough to say that either my controller is not very good, which I never got any indications of from other stimulus, or that game doesn't control very well. I think it's the latter. I mean, it controls better than the first one, certainly, but once again, it also wasn't optimized for a controller, so it can be floating. Still, I did it for a while because I, well, if you keep playing it for a while, the Kappa will eventually say, hey, you know what? I just noticed something. You see, it seems like you're having a hard time out there. You know, just for you, I'm willing to make it a little easier for you. <laughs> just call it a handling fee because you guys ain't easy to handle. <laughs> and he does have some very amusing things. If you take a dive during one of those runs, that you What's this? You wanted a cool, non, non-debilitating scar to impress your friends? But I I did not in and of itself enjoy that skiing game. Huh. Um, I, I noticed that one thing about this game that was kind of frustrating was that if you were trying to go for all the treasure chests and all 100, 100% completion, that some of those puzzles in the dungeon brain-bending, like, I remember one of them, you had to, like, kill an enemy and it dropped a hat and you had to put the hat on a mushroom and i was like how would anybody have figured that out on their own and of course i would get stuck on these and because the game was so obscure you know trying to find any hints on it is just impossible i remember a couple of cases like that one where 
The clue is send them back whence they came. Well, unless you know that that means grab these enemies and throw them into the fire pit, then you won't get it. <laughs> How the hell was I? Yeah, they're little green flames, but I don't send any other flames into fire pits in the game. Um, I think there was another one where there was a um, kid going like fall falling down the river, and you see it at the very beginning of the level, and you really don't know what's going on there until you realize, oh no, you need to go down the river and actually save that kid from going over the waterfall. And because of the floaty controls, that's a whole, uh, that's a task a lot easier said than done. And I think I had to try it like five times before I finally got this kid saying. I don't. Rem I'm remembering instead in. Lunamundus, where there's that long portion. Only rabbits allowed. Remember when you oh. had to guide, guide the stupid rabbit all oh, over the world? Oh, God. I am having that flashbacks now. <laughs> and you can't have your pet with you because your pet attacks the rabbit because it's technically yeah. an enemy. <laughs> yeah. And if the rabbit... And rabbits scare easily, so you can't go too quickly or else it'll get left behind. And you, you can't get too close to it or else it'll start to run away again. And that's the only way to get through a couple of doors in the dungeon. Yeah, I remember that one. And I remember one where it was in one of the castles where it kept saying, like, you couldn't directly attack this fence or something. And I was tearing my hair out trying to figure that out, and, and then somebody came up with some solution. I forget exactly what it was, but it was one of those things that once you realize that that's the solution, it's like, that is so obvious, I cannot believe I didn't think of that. Was it the one where the clue actually helped me? For the for the one and only time, you can grab a gate and move it out of the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. That one. No other gates can be grabbed in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I love this game. Don't get me wrong, but it just had—I mean, it, it had some of its use puzzles. It did, but I but, didn't get too frustrated because a, I just looked at the Steam forums for the for the game where I actually found most of the answers, mm -hmm. probably because of how late I played it relatively. <laughs> but also because I was just really taken by the charm of this game. Um, I do appreciate, though, that the, all of the puzzles seemed like they were vastly each other, so they... Yeah, I'll agree with that. That That is a term that we keep coming back to, is Vi, um, both of those games, but, like, they are really charming games. They are... They, they, they just have such a such a cute vibe to them. Um, the, the character models and environments are not particularly impressive, but they no. are really charming. Yeah. They packed a lot of expressive animations into those characters. Alwyn and Ragna get... Well, it's the kind of stuff that you get with people who actually care about the 3D models instead of just making them look amazing, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is still very early on. I think uh, Guruman was the first game that Falcom did that fully polygonal, and this was basically the second game. It's still very early on where they're kind of experimenting with that that sort of a system so it's all the more impressive that it's it's effective and affecting as it is yeah and i mean the same as guruman since it's more of a fixed view you can't rotate the camera at all yeah but most of the time i'm fine with that because it gives you just enough room to be able to see everything you need to and i mean we could go on about it but I had a blast with this game. I even did New Game Plus on this game. 
<laughs> that says something. Yeah, I, I don't get to do that very often anymore. Yeah, I love the Il- Ilvard Insurrection. Uh, I, I, you know, for whatever reason, like Puckle and Pipro just like totally clicked with me. That that sense of humor that they had totally clicked. So I think Ilvar or uh, Argus Adventure just like really works for me in a way that it doesn't for most people. But Ilvard Insurrection is great. Like it's it it looks like a you know like if uh, Argus Adventure is kind of a long lost PS one game that never came out. This is kind of a long lost PS two game that never came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has that look. It, it it is a very fun action RPG. Yeah, and I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I miss games like this play on the PS2 and just smile the whole time because you're having so much fun. And it's a game that's not like it doesn't. Uh, that's the other thing about those Vi games is like they they hit the really. I, I don't think the the right length. Where they don't, you, you know, where they just hit it, where it's not overstaying its welcome. It it doesn't. It's not too short. It's a very nice, perfect length. You can play. You know, I think these games are like twenty to thirty hours, so you can. There's plenty of depth in Zvi, especially Ilvard Insurrection, where you can just keep going and going as Mike did. But yeah, I I actually went through the the dungeons that only open at the very end of the game and is in there this time and got. Both those two outfits and the kobold and the the dark special attack, which is your reward for going through all of them. I mean, the dungeons themselves aren't particularly exciting. They're just randomly generated stuff redecorated from earlier dungeons, but they're also not very long randomly generated dungeons, so they don't wear out their welcome either. And just like the uh, first game, this game also has the level stuff in front of the um, in front of the uh, dungeons too, which I appreciated. It, it does, but it also has Alwyn's ability to warp you whenever you want, so mm-hmm. that if you just decide, ah, I missed something there, then you can go there without needing whatever. I forget the items that you had to have in Argus. Oh yeah. Yeah, the fast travel and that was because there was a lot of branching paths in the dungeon, and the branching paths typically had the, a safe point, and then the levels in front of it. Yeah, and one of those will take you to usually an upgrade for Ragnar's weapon. The what was it? The anchor gear is yeah. is an interesting weapon. Yeah, it's kind of like a drill thingy. With, also with a clamp. Yeah. Uh, I forgot, could you fling enemies with it, too? You could grab them and throw them around. I usually didn't, because if you grab them, there's a chance that they'll break out. Oh, right, right. Usually I only did it if I remember when you had to grab the mushroom and escort it to Daddy Mushroom across the <laughs> Like I said, I, I tended to stick with uh, Arwen's magic because of how how powerful it was, especially after you get that item that charged it really fast. But you didn't get that until late in the game. Oh, no, no. But and you it, had to work for it. It certainly made the game fun. Uh, and, oh, yes, the widgets. I, I forgot get, about the widgets. Some of them are just baffling. Why do I need a camera that shows me... A slightly closer view of what my character is doing. No clue. It was. Is there a bizarre. calculator for no reason? Yeah. 
Um, there's a calculator. There's an analog and a digital clock. There's well, that, the weight. There's the there's the scale so that you can see how much all that food is making you weigh. Now that one was handy because there was like literally one puzzle in the game where you had to use the scale to make your eat enough food to make yourself weigh enough to hit switch point. I don't know if you ever did that puzzle. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, no, the, the most useful one, obviously, was the one that showed you where the treasure chests were pointing in, in a direction. Even though, you know, it was, it, it could get confusing at times when just running around in circles trying to figure out, where is this damn treasure chest? Oh, it's because it's, it's detecting it from way over there. But still, it was nice for seeing at least if you got all the treasures. Definitely. And... Let's see the other one. Oh, the one that shows you the requirements to get a good score in each dungeon. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know how Falcom came up with these. Here's how you do it. You don't get hit at all. All of the pots. Nothing else matters. Just the pots. And you do it in a, in a specific time frame. Break the pots. Don't get hit. Do it fast. <laughs> I, I don't think the barrels. They don't care. Doesn't matter. The enemies doesn't matter. Pots. I mean, yep. Did it Only get you pots. anything, or was it just bragging rights? Well, it gets you increasing rewards at the Hunters Guild. Uh, oh. See, if you get the default for everything, then you get a bronze medal on everything. Oh my goodness! That means you've only gotten seventy percent of the possible points, and you get an achievement if you get. Uh, Whatever the second to the top hunter rank is, and that also gets you the last inventory thing in the game. Ah, uh, okay. And then apparently you get something if you can get a platinum for everything, which I haven't bothered to do because it's not really that much fun. <laughs> and apparently it's not linked to any achievements, so thankfully XE did not go that route. Yeah, I hate it when there's impossible or really difficult achievements like that in Metal Fantasy Remake. <laughs> yeah, you mentioning the pots reminds me like there's a lot of like shared uh, shared DNA under the hood between this game and Guriman because Guriman, like I said, was like the first 3D and then this one was the second one kind of built on top of it. Like all of the uh, a lot of the sound effects are shared, like the the sound effect for like breaking a pot and picking up uh picking up coins is identical between the games. That is true. I remember playing them back to back, and I was just like, "Oh, wow, yeah, this is this is right from Guriman. They just used the exact same sound effect." <laughs> so, to, to, as a transition, um, I, which one came first, this one or Guriman? Guriman came first. Okay, gotcha. And, and oh, yeah, yes. yeah, but um... <laughs> well, we wanted to get all the spy out of our system first. Yeah, one one last thing about it, like like tidbits of it, like this was the very last game that Falcom made specifically for the PC. So this was the last one they developed for the PC. It bombed horribly in Japan. Their distributor went out of business, and like they they never they they became solely a PlayStation developer after that. So this this was it. This was the last PC game. A little bit of history of Falcom, and, and that is they... that is unfair because. This does not deserve to bomb hard. No, no. no. It's a very good if, if, you have, prob- if, sorry, if you have 20 bucks, I would recommend this one over the first one. That's fair. I just, I just gave this as a gift on Steam because, A, I felt like it, and B, he'd probably enjoy it. So, there. That's not enough to inspire a sequel, but it's enough to say that, 
yes, this is a game worthy of being played, and you should do it. There are worse ways that you'd spend a uh, weekend. Much, much worse. <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a lot of really good music in Spy the Ilvard Insurrection, too. Oh, of course. Yeah, goes without saying. Man, um, man, for twenty for twenty bucks, you're getting a lot of really good game. Oh, why, why don't you oh, just ask ask me which one of my cats I like more? <laughs> In front of the cat. I I don't I I like you. I like you both. There's there's a place for both of you in my heart. That's right. It's on the 3DS. Which yeah, is why yeah, we're talking actually, about I played this. the 3DS version of it, so I can talk about that a little bit. I forgot that there was a this bizarre out of the yeah. nowhere port. I've, I've been playing it on Steam. Where um, yes, it is a it is a prototype in certain ways for other Telcom 3D stuff. Yeah. I played it. I what little I played of it, I played on um, my Vita via P, or PSP Vita. Ah, the original PSP. Yeah, this was one of the few. This is the first one that didn't spend a long time waiting to, you know, actually be localized. It even got remade a couple of times. The 3D version. Yeah. Uh, I would like to say before I forget that Perrin, our lead, is 12, yet. I did not believe that until I looked it up because her character model looks more like she's five or six. Uh, <laughs> everything about this game, the aesthetic is very much like it, it looks like it's targeted towards little. It is like yeah. a little kid art action RPG. Not not a bad thing. It's like a, it's a very cute kind of like a kiddish aesthetic to it, but it is kind of kind of different than the other the other uh, other Falcon game. Unless you go and fight, there is, of course, a super boss in it, which I didn't Maybe even know until I... that would be playing Guramin. Opened up a new area. A oh my goodness, this is kind of dangerous. Let me go over here. By it's the sinister... Yes, that was a segue. Sorry. Uh... Well, that may not sound sinister, but the guy, by the standards of this game, is one yeah. tough customer. Yeah, and you get as we mentioned, uh, you 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 find that on Steam. Oh yes, GOG. the, the, uh, uh, the I know on GOG is a little bit more, but it is DRM free, and Parent I really has just been I, as I was just their uh, grandfather sharing screenshots with the other guys and in Discord. No I got a lot of when she these spots games something that looks kind of like a child, GOG. but is in fact a monster. Except the ones we're talking about today, just I got like the oh, that's, that's kind of neat. And, and she goes and follows the monster off to Monster Village, where oh no, they do have. All the, the evil phantoms have come along and are wanting to take away all of the monster's furniture. <laughs> Is it better than Eve's Osinfogana? Yes, you must return their furniture as you keep finding it at the end of dungeons. Yeah. This is a and, very weird Yeah, think about that. And the evil phantoms are so evil that one of them speaks in words that no one can understand. And two of them keep fighting over each other. Which one do you love more? To that delicious, delicious prince of phantoms for themselves. And there you yes, go. Yes, it is, it is definitely a monstrous adventure developed by Nihon Falcom, published in North America by Mastif. 
This was published on a variety of platforms so originally monstrous. released in Japan you save on monsters. December 25th, Whoa. 2004. Uh, worldwide, March 30th, 2015. Also came out here on the PlayStation Portable, February 12th, 2007. Yeah, even though I just played it recently, and on the Nintendo, there really isn't DS, a whole lot else October to the story. 13th, this is not a very complex narrative. This is no. a single-player action like RPG experience really with a drill. Like that, and I wasn't trying hard to power through it. I was taking my time in spots. Yeah, as long as we're talking about it being an early 3D Falcom game, I feel that it's necessary to mention that uh, getting the camera to behave can be interesting in narrow areas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely had to shoot the camera. What little I played. See, Perrin uses a drill. And sometimes you can use that drill to, say, go through a wall, or you need it in order to knock pieces off of enemies in order to be able to damage them further. And that kind of requires that you aim yourself properly, which can be harder to arrange than you'd expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the camera controls just weren't... <laughs> You know, it was their first whack at a 3D game, at a fully 3D game, and it wasn't awesome. I was playing it on the uh, the new 3DS, so I had the little camera nub, <laughs> and that made it interesting to try and control on the so new the 3DS. Camera, was the camera nub compatible with it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, cool. I, I think, well, I on the PSP, it was the shoulder buttons, but you can map the right analog stick on the, to whatever you want, so obviously I mapped it to the right stick so that it would feel a little bit more natural, but even then that camera was just, like, all over the place when I would try to, like, make fine t tuning, fine adjustment. They, they also tried to actually implement a 3D effect to it as well on the 3DS. That did not work well. <laughs> <laughs> that is not recommended. <laughs> if you, if you do usual, pick up eh? <laughs> the, the visuals are charming, but they are not particularly detailed. And if you force 3D onto them, I can just imagine the garish effect. Yeah, it, it, it does not look good. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that her little ponytail is just like, like five little blocks in a chain. They look yeah. like a chain. I mean, it, it's not like... It's not like Final Fantasy VII kind of like blockiness, but like you can definitely tell it's a touch blocky. Once again, PS One vibes. Oh, oh, totally, yeah. Which, considering that it came out in two thousand five, is well, Falcom has never been about the cutting edge of technology. That's pretty no. standard for Falcom. About like a half a generation behind on that kind of stuff. That's about right. This is like a you know like a. Um, the the first Zvi was kind of like a really good uh, PS1, you know, sprite-based game. This one is kind of like a not-terrible-looking uh, PS1 3D sort of game, you know? And it's kind of amazing what leap they made forward just between this and going to Zvi 2, how good uh, it looked in, in, in comparison. Uh, how I monstrous the key, is it? style kind of serves it well for... Oh, totally. Because I don't and believe let's... this game has... A, sorry, I don't believe uh, this game has a very serious why, why do you say that? Are, oh, I don't know. F furniture, um, the ridiculous design, uh, the ridiculous in a funny way design of the monsters. 
Oh, wait. Maybe it's because there's the creepy dude in town who keeps asking Perrin if he'll go on a date with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten that creepy out. guy until I started replaying it. And I'm like, oh, wow. That was right at the very beginning. This this dude's creepy. Um, Yeah, I need to stay away from him. Except you can't because he sells you things that you need to get. <laughs> <laughs> and every time he'll say, wow, Perrin, th- thanks so much. How about a date now? Ew, no. <laughs> and this one also has a, a cute dub. I I wouldn't put it at the, at the level of Ilvard insurrection, but it is fun. Yeah. Especially since I don't know what else Mastiff has done. <laughs> um, La Pucelle Tactics. La Pucelle Tactics? Yeah. Ah, yes. Back before NIS had its own American branch. I, I'm pretty sure Lepus, no, you know, I don't know who published that. I want to say it was NIS, but I could be. Mistaken. I think it was Mastiff. I, I no, suppose I could wiki it. Yes, I'm, I'm looking right now, but continue. Well, let's see. What else is there to say about Gurman? The music is mostly fine, but some of it is so mm, uh, perky that it's kind of obnoxious to me. The town tune comes to mind for that. Um, go, going back on that, I, I got it backwards. It was developed by Neat Bonnie Jane Publishers. It's not my bad. That, that sounds right, yeah. When La Puchelle came out, La, Nipponichi did not have an American branch, I believe. Right. And I, let's see. I, I just don't remember it having like the uh, same sort of selection of music either. A typical Falcon. No, it's mostly very perky and upbeat. Just, uh, I didn't find much of it very memorable, and some of it I even found kind of dissonant. And then there's the weird choice they made with the dungeons where in each area, once you reach a certain point, it starts to unfold backwards so that you're going through the same place again, just in reverse order. That was a strange decision that probably spoke of Falcom running low on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was one thing that definitely me off about this game, the fact that there wasn't a map screen the dungeons, and I was having... When it, the game teaches you that you can break walls, I was having quite a bit of difficulty trying to figure out, okay, well, which walls can I break? Because the texture on the breakable walls, at least in that first dungeon, did not seem very obvious. Usually it was obvious for me... It, Getting myself aligned properly, that was another issue entirely. Yeah. Yeah, because you can, you can take your drill and you can kind of like hold down the attack button and it kind of like levels up. Use that to both break through walls and like, like you break uh, parts of enemies so they're attack. You know, you can like destroy a shield that it might have. Or it's a like... big, gigantic, uh, rolling carapace thing that it's trying to crash into you with once you break that then it just kind of has to waddle after you yeah it's kind of like a, it's an interesting idea for you know like carrying through the the, the drill aspect different aspects of the but but a lot of this game does feel kind of in that especially like looking at it in the larger context like you, you can tell like okay this was like this is 3d tech demo we don't want to we don't want to do this with ease let's let's throw some stuff against the wall and see what works <laughs> And at the very least, it is not reliant on good platforming, which is is fortunate. 
Yeah. It's fortunate that it guides your steps, that it makes clear, oh, you're going to land here if you jump right now. Because if it didn't, that would be really, really frustrating. <laughs> I'm thinking of a few little narrow, curvy places where you, uh, one wrong step and, oop, I fell into the lava and I have to – it's not very far back, but it's back enough that you still have to n- navigate over a little more treacherous path in order to get where you were. And – oh, yeah, the, the mechanic of your attacks leveling up if you get tons of credits and leveling down if you get hit a bunch – it, that seems like a weird design chair. It means that if you're in a long fight where you're getting hit a bunch, then you should probably take a few of these items that temporarily keep you from losing your drill power. But there's a strict limit of three of them at a time, so let's hope it's not a super long fight. <laughs> and... Yeah, there really aren't a whole lot of RPG mechanics to this one. You you get things that increase your HP, but aside from the drill, you don't really have much in the way of equipment. Uh, well, you got goggles, uh, a ribbon, <laughs> and, you know, just... and, and all of that stuff actually does like show up on the character when you equip it. It shows up on Perrin. That's true. So there is that little little nod at least. Oh, definitely. And you you can level up each of those pieces of equipment with all of the junk that you're getting, either by knocking it off of phantoms or by breaking open receptacle bins that contain lots of trash. I, I feel as if there's some kind of buried environmentalist message here. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, without just going through into a walkthrough of it, there's not a whole lot else that I can remember to say about it's it's cute, it's charming, it's fun for a little while, but I would not call it one of Falcom's major efforts. No. I mean, I, I paid 10 bucks for it on the PSN, and had I spent, like, probably a cent more, I probably would have been... <laughs> like I, I mean, said, it's... it's one of those things for, for me as, like, a big Falcom fan. It, it, you know, it's an interesting piece of history as, as, like, the first, like, fully 3D, fully polygonal game. And yeah, it's very, it's very cute. It's not too hard. It's not too long. You know, like, and especially at ten bucks, I don't think you're you're losing your money on it. But you know, and heck, there's not exactly a ton of, you know, the the the, the options for Falcom action RPGs on the 3DS certainly are limited. So, <laughs> unless you want the the not done by Falcom ports of ease games, those are always interesting oh yeah yeah totally <laughs> is, is the 3ds version pricey at all i i was trying to look it up and i i bought it so it won't tell me what the those website i wonder if i can hang on let me see if it shows up on the it's 10 bucks on the uh um on psn and, yeah uh, Steam. um 15 bucks on the eShop. Hmm. Well, all right, Josh. You've been the one playing it on 3DS. Is it worth the 50% surcharge over the other versions? Uh, probably not if you got a working Vita. <laughs> yeah, if, if you have a Vita that's just lying around collecting dust, you could buy worse games. Exactly. But that also means that you have a Vita. <laughs> <laughs> or you could be playing Muramasa Rebirth. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you could be playing that. You could or be you playing could be playing Final Fantasy X2. Uh, or you could be playing 
uh, Memories of Sosetta. Mm. Now that's worth playing on. <laughs> or you could use it, you could use it to play E seven. Pretty much also all not... the E's, all well, not all the E's games, but a good chunk of the good. Oh yeah, that is true. And we're already running out of things to say about Guruman, which shows what a great subject it is. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that's why it's in the drive by Falcom episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, you for, you forgot the price. Well, I mean we're well, no, I'm sorry. Um I didn't know if you were going to do the physical UMD price cuz I'm looking I'm looking on eBay and like sealed <laughs> Some people are physical Our only. listeners, Phil, re- remember, you can't get a brand new sealed copy of a digital copy of a digital down. <laughs> I I wish I could remember how much I paid for because I did buy that a long time ago just to kind of complete my Vita RP. No, I I probably paid like give or take. I I know that I didn't break the bank on it. Put it that way. It was it was certainly no popful mail for me. Well, then again, I think if Grumman was running two hundred dollars a copy, we would be having a very different tone right now. <laughs> I can only shudder to think of what working designs would have done with. <laughs> uh, well, for, for starters, um, the character would have been sixteen. <laughs> oh, you're just looking for the price? Yeah, ten bucks on Gog, and you should be playing Persona Four Golden. What can I do for you? Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's our that's our that's our very big support for this one. We're gonna take a break and uh, come back with our last. With I just we just said we just said it we just said it. Ten bucks, ten bucks on GOG. Who's gonna buy the UFD? Who's gonna just no no? But I could wrap my Vita. And sell it to you with the game on it. Fine, sixty dollars brand new. It looks really nice too in this box. The box looks really cute. Bet you didn't pay sixty bucks. So, yeah, <laughs> Ooh, badoo. Uh, anywho, uh, like I said, we're gonna take a little break here, and we'll be right back with our last two games of this main event.
Welcome back, and we got our last two games. Uh, next up is Xanadu Next, an action RPG developed by Nihon Falcom, published uh, worldwide by XE Games on the PC, and most importantly, Nokia on the end game. <laughs> this is... This is... This is the very best Falcom game on the N-Gage. I'm going to go out on a limb. It, it is. Probably the only it Falcom is. game. Originally released... Hey, I love using very specific <laughs> categories. Originally uh, released in... Uh, <laughs> on the N-Gage on June 20th, 2005. This was released worldwide on Microsoft Windows November 3rd, 2016. This is a one and two player action on your engage anyways. No, action RPG. I just knew it as like engage. a weird musical from the eighties. <laughs> okay, so we have to be specific here because there is a Falcom game just called Xanadu, and it's one of the earliest action RPGs. It's from eighty five or so. I played it in its uh, Falcom Classics rendition on the Saturn, but it bears pretty much no resemblance whatsoever to Xanadu Next. Okay. Xanadu Next, the best way I can phrase this is it's kind of Falcom doing a more Western RPG approach. Oh, okay. It, it, the look is much more like uh, Diablo, Planescape Tournament, something like that. It's There's still some recognizable Falcom touches, but it doesn't look like most other Falcom games. And the storytelling is definitely different than anything else we've talked about. It's more in the form of lore that you learn by going out around the world or around the the area that you can explore. There are some people in town, they say things, but most of what you learn comes from, oh, I'm, I'm looking through this dungeon and I found this scroll and, oh, I found it. It says, oh, look at all this stuff that happened in here. So, like, the Dark Souls kind of passive storytelling. For the most part, yeah. You play as somebody who is is mute and quickly gets killed and then revived by mystical means. And the revival tasks you with going around and exploring Xanadu, the Xanadu Labyrinths because uh, well, what else you can do now that you're... yeah. And there's an info dump near the end, but other than that it's pretty much, yeah, kind of like the Dark Souls approach, through the environment and through the, the lore you uncover, not through cutscenes. I mean, passive storytelling can be very good if done right. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's bad. If you if you're willing to look around and invest in the lore that they put together, it is kind of interesting. Of course, a lot of that lore seems to link it to other Falcom games that have never come out here because <laughs> that's just how Falcom operates. I think it I think it references things like Lord Monarch and Sorcerian that have not been remade for over 25 years. <laughs> But and as for the combat itself, now this is where this is another one of those games where you can kind of tell this was designed with a mouse. As I recall, I did have to use my mouse some of the time, particularly for an action setup in which you need to switch things in quick order and you can't really pause in order to do that. You 
you make the menu come up, but it takes up part of the screen while the action is continuing. Well, if you're going to do that, then you kind of have to be using your mouse and keyboard or else the controller is just not fast enough. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, and it's it's deliberate. You know, a lot of the games do that. It's not my favorite because I... I generally have to be in a certain mindset in order to play something with mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. I can do it. I've done it in the past, but it's less relaxed to sit back with a controller. And I know that's that's just because I've I grew up mostly with controllers with people who said you don't play games on the computer. See, was my computer anyway? Something like uh, and this being more Western good, I could probably play it with. A that I agree with you. Like, I mean, I grew up playing P- PC games uh, mixed with, you know, and some my, console. But PC is like my uh, primary way. I, and, but, home, you I, know, I especially as you get older, I mean, that's what makes I, the Switch so appealing, right? You can go lay in I know bed that and, I need to get away from my and PC have your controller and it's I'm all right there. And, you know, not be sitting up straight with a keyboard and mouse. You know, at the end of the night, it's just easier just to lay down on TV with a controller in your hand. You know, whether you do that with a PC game, you know, through Steam Big Box or whatever, Big Screen, or, you know, through a console. I agree with you. I can see that. Fair enough. Yeah. Sorry. Well, let's see. Um, Yet again, this is a Falcon game where a level makes a big difference. Gain one level, and that's often enough to be the difference between life and death. The environment design is kind of interesting. It's not particularly revolutionary, but it is presented in an interesting way. And, yeah, XC did a good job localizing it, but this is not a a game in which the story is paramount. The interface could have used work, but I'm not sure what you can really do with it when it was so clearly designed to be used with mouse and keyboard once upon a time. The music is mostly fine, but I don't remember a whole lot of it now. It it was more atmospheric than than the usual uh, Falcon presentation. Although in my review, I seem to have noted that enemy screams became obnoxious. So I'm not remembering that now, but I wrote it down here. So clearly it must have been annoying or else <laughs> I, I wouldn't have said, damn it, that's the hundredth stupid skeleton has died and it screamed again ah. and ah. yeah it, it's an interesting combat system you have a fair number of options with the magic again i i want to say it's a little diablo-ish only a little this is falcom after all and this is not some revolutionary game that will wow you but I did enjoy it enough to complete it, although there is an obnoxious randomly generated – was it even randomly generated? There's an obnoxious optional dungeon near the end, which I actually tried to complete, and it beat me, and I just said, scratch this. Finished the game, reviewed it. So it, it did not inspire the completionist within me that the Ilvard insurrection did, but I don't know that it's necessarily even trying to do that. And Fair enough. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of wish we'd done this more, three years ago when I would probably have had a whole lot more fresh memories of the thing. But 
Oh, and I did like the fact that as you go around, it's not a, it's not a bunch of separate dungeons. It's all one interconnected place, and you keep finding little shortcuts that will allow you to navigate it faster. Oh, that is cool. E- extra shortcuts back to town. Oh, here, look, you unlock the... This this blocked door in town is finally open because uh, you opened the elevator. <laughs> That's fun. I, I appreciate stuff like that. Seems like the people, you know, the players on Steam and GOG have liked it. It's got a 4.4 on GOG. It's got uh, 90% of 265 user reviews as positive on Steam, which puts it in the quote-unquote very positive category. Uh, so it seems like people seem to like it. It does not feel like ease to me. Is, is it, is that mu- guy... it, is much, it is much more deliberate than ease. Is that guy basically saying that this is the Dark Souls? <laughs> uh... Alright, so let me throw out a couple of comments at you and get your reaction. This guy says... Imaginees with slower-paced combat and level design, which can only be described as a precursor to what the Souls games accomplish. I guess you can make the, now, the Zelda comparison. The it's, soundtrack. it's a little bit of a stretch to me, but Fight. not an insanely long one. Because you do, you, Wait, how, you how do get that, additional that, implements that, that help you with you navigate the place. So that, that is not what, it, my, what I would have first come up with for a comparison. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're wrong. I just don't I just just ease with slower pace combat and level level design that's a precursor to Souls. Mm, I'd say fifteen dollars is worth it. Okay, how about how about how about how about wait, Phil? I bought this game as I'm a fan of Falcon Xanadu and Back Xanadu games. The (laughs) gameplay is a hybrid of Legend of Zelda and Diablo. If you like either of those two titles and enjoy JRPGs, give this a try. You won't be disappointed. System to switch them, but they were there. Well, that's a steal. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Mike. At the end of the day, $15. Buy it, wait for a sale, or don't buy it. I mean, doesn't the Engage basically have a vertical, if I remember? Yeah, it does. Because okay. you, were, you were supposed to hold it like a phone. And remember, yeah. that's how phones work. Side talking. Engage. I wonder if that's a thing. Was that a cartridge? Is that like a cartridge? Okay. Brandish. Oh, well, uh, looks like, looks like we found it. Fast and free delivery for your, uh, brand new copy of Xanadu Next for your Engage. Only $69. (coughs) That's a steal. Get get your copy today. Now, for what it's worth, my research did pull up that the Engage uh, reviews were not quite as um, positive as the PC reviews. So, keep in mind there might have been. Uh, this is your 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 mileage may vary if you do go out and. Plus I don't think it is on Steam for the no, Engage the, copy um, of that. It only came out digitally. On the... It's. I think so. For your yeah, PSP, uh, yeah, I have or Vita. To remember correctly, yep. that's what I played it on. Um, and it, look at when it came out on the PSP, Phil. All right, one more left. It's time. It's it's time 
to what? brandish your knowledge of old I, role playing games with Brandish, developed by Neon Falcom. Uh, this was published uh, by Koei on the SNES, NEC for PC Engine. Oh my gosh, and Neon <laughs> Falcom. Uh, who cares? Uh, this is there's like a whole long list here. This was released in Japan originally on the NEC PC 9801 on October 25th, 1991. Yeah. I think she's we one got of the, the Super the Nintendo game. version in North America on February 1995. Uh, uh, this is sure, a single player action she, RPG. She's presented as more of a goofball. I can't find uh, on Steam. Uh, because I, I I played a little bit of this. But I, I, can, I obviously I, didn't get very far. I can um, find it on ma- PlayStation. Like, oh, that game sounds cool. I've been curious about it. Seeing if the PSP version is a marked improvement of the SNES Because... Yeah, is. PSP Vita. Uh, viewers yeah. and your listeners, YouTube videos of the SNES version. And see if you can spot what is wrong with that version. Uh, oh, boy. Trying to do a doesn't say here on wiki for some reason third person and everything moves around you that's that's just holy yeah holy hot box art batman on the psp you get used to it oh wow i didn't ever realize that uh, brandish was so uh sexy on the super nintendo it's a sexy game i don't know how else to say this Uh, there's probably another way to say this it's kind of like i'm just like scrolling down a wiki i didn't expect to see this Lady with it's, um, it's, it's, a thong it's hard on. to describe. It's something that you really have to see to get a feel for. Yeah, yeah. It's very uh, motion sickness inducing. It's disorienting. I don't know why they. I don't know why they made that decision to make it like that. I guess they were trying to go for more three D or third person wizardry, but just it did not work at all. And at least the PSP version, to me, the PSP version, I played like a Etrian Odyssey game, but in third person instead of first person, you know, using the shoulders buttons to strafe and only turning when I had to. And it was managed on that. Yeah. If we, if we haven't made this clear yet, the perspective is very unique here, where you always direction. It's the dungeon that moves around you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty smooth on PSP. I'm not going to say that it's flawless, but it's a lot better than the Super Nintendo footage you'll look up. <laughs> and this is a dungeon crawler. You play as uh, Ares, Mars, something like that. One of those mute characters who never talks much, and this is an even more pure dungeon crawler than Xanadu Next, because you never leave the dungeon. Yeah. You find a few people who have shops in the dungeon, and you find our scantily clad sorceress lady, whose name I'm not remembering right now, and I will eventually, who is sort of an antagonist, but also kind of bumbling then you can play as her in the Dark Revenant version for some extra levels that are apparently much harder. I didn't get very far with them because uh, I already had to resort to a fact on a bunch of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, ga- the game's a little up to... I'll give it points for varying its landscapes, which most dungeon crawlers should do or else it's going to get boring so that you feel like, ah, I've made it to a new place. And... 
there are a couple of floors in here that are just freaking annoying because they're the dark floors where you can only see a couple of spaces around you. Oh, no. Phil had to AFK for a second. I imagine that he'd be screaming, screaming dark fire. There is a map that fills in as you go along, which is good because those dark floors also contain pitfalls that will take you back to the floor below. Uh. <laughs> Combat is interesting. You you level your physical attacks by making repeated physical attacks, and you level your magic attacks by using your magic. So the saga system. Kind of, yeah. Although it's a little more obvious here since Saga kind of relies on luck, and here it's fairly predictable. Oh, look, I've I've used my fire spell 30 times. I'm about to make it more powerful. Hooray! The enemies are not particularly bright, but they are persistent, so if you do not fight them intelligently, you will regret it. You can save any time. As you should, since you can't leave the freaking dungeon. There are some interesting set pieces. I recall playing this on a plane and kind of regretting that I, because I was on the plane and didn't feel like paying United extra money to access the Wi-Fi, had to kind of stumble around and see if I could figure it out myself, which <laughs> after a while gets kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah, because I was, I was definitely, you know, I complained about not being able to find the breakable walls and, uh... Girl, man, man, the breakable walls in this game have no tell. I mean, at least you don't need to use an item on them, but you just have to smack them. Smack them and hope, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it, there were four more Brandish games. None of them ever came out of Japan. The second one apparently got ported to the Super Famicom, and the other two never left Japanese games. And they introduced more characters and apparently some variety of the mechanics. And I, I'm not sure that there's much else to refine with Brandish beyond what the Dark Revenant did, because this is already as finessed as you can get with this concept, I think, huh. of a dungeon that rotates around you. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that they were wanting to have a their own version of Wizards that was really popular in Japan, but wanted to have their own on it. Um, even though it went over like a lead balloon, if you ask not many people. I I never even heard about this game until I heard about it on Retronauts. And yet, it did spawn sequels in Japan, so people must have been buying it. Yeah. Once again, wi wizardry fans, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, because there are how many Japanese wizardry games compared to the ones made in the West? I'm quite a few, I thought. Phil, you probably know. How many freaking Japanese wizardry games are there? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not the one we were just talking about, Xanadu Next, is it? <laughs> I mean... Yeah. 
And I mean, it's it's one of those. It's certainly, this is one of those games that I wanted to like because I love dungeon crawlers and I love interesting takes. And it certainly had like it seemed like it had a lot of stuff to explore. It's just another one of those games that I got and played one level of and just never went back to. Well, I definitely persisted. I beat the game. Remember the final boss being annoying, and I unfortunately cannot remember exactly why it was annoying. I mean, would you say that the difficulty of this game is pretty up there? In its obtuseness, yeah. Oh, too many to count. If you're a veteran of dungeon crawlers, though, especially stuff from the early '90s, especially the Dark Revenant, it's reasonable. Properly named wizardries, and then there's just the ripoffs. That aren't really named Wizardry, but um, oh my gosh, is that one? And speaking of Tokyo, is Tokyo Tokyo's oh, Edu, right? See, it's I'm like glad I wrote this review just, because yeah, it reminded me that's that that's like one of those that's you have to do your very, very strongly inspired by Wizardry, and you can kind of, if you're playing it, you can definitely feel. Oh no, it's not Tokyo's Edu, that's more of an action. And of course, there's limited inventory. Uh, now I'm gonna find it. Now it's gonna bug me. Now I'm gonna. I don't know. Maybe if you needed a little oh, bit more. Oh, that's right. Uh, and your weapons break. Because I bought it. Oh. I got it. I own it. I own that shiz. I'm gonna look it up right now. Look it up. I know it's Xanadu. Oh, I swear it's Xanadu something. Xanadu. 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 Let me see if this is it. Nihon Falcom. Uh, that's, no, this, this isn't it. Is it? No, that's a. That's an action RPG. I want my dungeon crawler. This isn't the one I'm thinking uh, of. There's another it's Tokyo one something. called uh, Stranger of That's Sword what City it is. Tokyo, yeah. That I tried. That I uh, just I. I remember even, that. It's too obtuse for even me because you had to pick the age of character. It's like your older characters were better at stuff, but then they died. So trying to figure out like a perfect age, and yeah, they age as they go. Uh, that that could be another backtrack shitty dungeon crawlers yes yes phil lay off the naughty lay off the naughty pictures and concentrate phil you're the one that are finding the naughty pictures that i'm totally not uh i don't remember that you know i played this game and i reviewed it for the site even though i didn't finish it i'd got dispensation after i'd spent something like 80 hours with the thing it's it's a rough game, Phil. <laughs> oh, found it! Found it! Operation Babel, New Tokyo Legacy, and Operation Abyss, New Tokyo Legacy. Yeah, you talk about some freaking hard dungeon crawlers that will give Wizardry a run for their money. I swear these jokers have, like, obtuse systems in them that make Wizardry look simple. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> Oh my gosh, does it have side boob? I think it has side boob, Relly. I mean, someone's got this picture here on Steam from the game. I'm just finding all the naughty, naughty pictures this evening with these games we're talking about. What is it with you guys? Naughty, naughty. I just, you guys, it's you guys! You're a bad influence a on me. It's a good thing you know, my wife went to bed early. Very She's going to see me looking at this stuff. She's going to be like, what are you doing? 
the dungeon crawler that I played that was most simple. I just Steve it's a stranger of and sword city. That was like one of you didn't one tell of me this was like an R-rated game. It was just crazy hard. Can at least give and me some I wording. I played it and I did, I enjoyed it. And you know, sometimes you figure out the systems, and sometimes the systems skew in the crotch. And it's a row. Oh no, there's there's no doubt about it. It's it's. It's just, it, just like the those Babel games. They just got systems for their systems. You need to look up at, at like the instructions that come with the game. Don't even begin to do the different mechanics justice and all the moving pieces justice. So you got to go read an FAQ, and even then, you probably need an Excel spreadsheet to start putting it all together to create a party that's actually going to work well together and plan for the future. And even then, you're probably going to screw it up. Because you don't, you know, unless you read the whole FAQ, you may not know what's coming down the road. The so you may know the, the different, okay, dungeon, well, like you just said, a character who's older may die of old age, and you might know all these facts in your head. But how does that help you if you don't know how many years they're going to advance over the course of the game, or how many Demon times they're going to advance over the whatever it may be? This is my problem with, like, Diablo. You're going down these... The, uh, I didn't you know, get building the final boss, to pick a certain Stranger skills. Sword City. Yeah, but you're I like, okay, get, fire looks really uh, cool. I'm going to make a fire mage. I'm going to pick a lot of fire skills just to know, find out in the third act of the game that everything's in you to fire. Close to the final boss. Oh, sad tears. Start the game over again. When you're talking about an epic dungeon crawler like this freaking thing, starting over again, doing those 80 hours over again, I think not. I would have done the same thing, Mike. Team members I died. Taking that and thing and throwing it in the trash. Stupid games. That was. Did, not so does your save get locked? But it, it can be worth the journey. I don't know if you, you felt the journey was worth it. Sometimes you just. I want, remember you know, that it involved a lot of walking. Did you have fun along the way, or, 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 in, or, or was it just? They were kind of on a side tangent now. Rarely. I'm curious. Okay, gotcha. Well, I'm just curious now. You know that you got me hooked on side boot games. Was it? You know, which is that even though it does have a Falcon, was it at least fun on the journey? Each part okay. of the dungeon tends to have its own piece of music, and since the parts yeah. of the dungeon tend to last five or six floors, you're going to be hearing it for a while. Well, at, at the very least, is it good music that you're going to be hearing? I can't remember any of the compositions right now, but I wrote that they were, so yes. My past self says that they were. Yeah, I like Demon Gaze. <laughs> well, surely you can trust your past self. Oh my gosh, there's so much boob in this game. Um, no, I, I think I think with Demon Gaze, okay, yes, we were way off track. If you want to play track. a Brandish game, I think with Demon, Demon Gaze, um, I did read some games, FAQs in making the party. It didn't feel like it was as deep as strange, and many of them Stranger. Aren't in English at all. Um, you just had to have a couple of things in mind, and you didn't have to worry too too much about the compatibility between characters or any of this other bullshit that like class of heroes gets into. Um, but with all that being said, in the dungeons, and I leveled up, I did the stuff I think I was supposed to do well, pretty well. I think my party was pretty powerful. It's just I got lost in those I, final there, dungeons, and I kind of lost sorry, interest. There, I should probably go back translation and try to figure those out. But I just couldn't figure out where to go next in a freaking dungeon and make any that, progress. That doesn't surprise me. I, I don't, I don't I, know the if The third and people... fourth games, which were only on uh, Japanese PCs, I don't know about them. I don't know if the sequel improved the movement oh, yeah. any or it... not. Who knows? But there you go. Knock yourself out. Personally, of of all the games that we talked about that I would like to go back to, um, that's why the first one is on that is the highest on that. Just because that one did seem cute, and I did want to get get into some of the really quirky 
Uh, it does have a really strong localization. Um, Brandish is probably at the bottom of this list of how it looks in it. The difficulty. I don't have time to beat my head against the wall with games. Yeah. I... Uh, I, I would wait for a sale. And I, I, I would also say if you're gonna, if you're curious about it, watch a YouTube video. If that type of gameplay is gonna bug you, I trust your past self. I, I appreciate that they at least tried something. Well, darn close. Yeah, and it's on the. It's on the PlayStation Network for twenty dollars. Uh, it's got four and a half to five stars with one hundred thirty-six ratings. So there seems to be a lot of people that really like it. Knocking. Hey, by the way, totally out of left field. Have I told you how cool it is in Persona Q that instant death spells actually do work against a lot of the monsters and bosses? Just say it. It's badass. Okay, so. Uh, Mike, do you say we should buy this or not buy it? Twenty bucks. What's your What's your final verdict? Buy it, wait for sale, or don't buy it, wait for a sale. So check it. I I agree with you. Like, I mean, from what I've seen, I I know the ratings are kind of high, but I've seen gameplay of this before, and I just was not wowed. I love kind of dungeon crawlers and the idea of like a third person dungeon crawlers. You know, that's cool. Uh, I think there's not enough of those, but yes, yeah, definitely. I think that's what made, you know, a big difference for me is just watching some YouTube and going, eh, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not quite, you know, for me personally, but doesn't mean it's not for you. Uh, but check, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, and that's, that's cool. I like original things. So uh, check that out. And while you're going and looking for a YouTube video, we're going to take another break. Let's uh, let you listen to some more music and come back to uh, wrap this up with the final app. the final lap where uh, we read your comments tell you what we're playing it's the kitchen sink of our podcast our last episode was rpg backtrack episode number 218 tell it to the muso marines mr Miki, i understand we have a comment on the page there would you recant it for us you want me to recant it mm-hmm. why would i do that do it. That, would, that would involve eliminating it do it just get rid of it i'll teach that person to <laughs> fill your good at word you're good at word, Phil. You you talk English good, Phil. Yay! <laughs> <clears throat> From Krull. Six hours? 
Nice work, Backdirect team. I fiddled around with Hyrule Warriors for maybe 15 to 20 minutes on 3DS once and bounced off it. I think the fact that it was on 3DS there. I think it's fair to say I did not give it a fair shake. It was my first Musou game, and I did not understand where the challenge was. Felt like there was nothing to sink my teeth into. After listening to Phil at all wax lyrical for so long, though, I'm definitely inclined to give it another go. Do it. Do it. If you gave it less time than it took us to record a podcast, then clearly you didn't give it enough time. I mean, you also probably played the inf- most inferior version of it. Yeah, this is true. He just mentioned playing it on 3DS. That's yeah. Um, dangerous. Yeah. That, that The game was not meant to be played on a tiny screen. And we're probably about a three three to four weeks since we recorded that podcast. And just as an update, I'm still it's still kind of like a, a game that I am still playing. I'm playing Fire Emblem Warriors right now uh, in between my Persona runs just as a break. And uh, it's so much fun just eating the crap out of everything. I've almost got, uh, I've only got like, I think, uh, about 10 more people left to master class change. So you'd have to, you have to find the master seals to class change each of the 30 characters or so of Fire Emblem Warriors. So I've got the majority of seals. I've got uh, 10 more so that I'm hunting down. But there's just so much content that I get. I know we're close to actually finishing all of the post-game maps. So I'm right now I'm just hunting through those maps, finding where the Master Seals are at and trying to target those down, especially the easy ones, the ones that, you know, don't require level 90 party to get to. So, and I unlock. I think I mentioned this in the last show, but I unlocked the last character. I think that was uh, the shopkeep. What's her name? Anna. Anna. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, was that hard. That does require, like, a level 70-plus party, or at least those characters. They're going to be in that fight. At least one or two characters that can carry you. Uh, with the best weapons. And I had to use R- Ronin because I had the uh, materials I needed to unlock uh, his ability to equip the S rank weapon. <laughs> Not A, <laughs> S. Like the glowing rainbow weapon that was like 480 power DLC. I think it was. I'm not sure. I think it's DLC. Was but, it paid DLC? Well, because I bought the season pass for that game, so I'm not sure if it was included with the pass or if it was something that was free, because there's a lot of free DLC. But mm-hmm. I would have gotten it all being on the season pass, so I'm not sure if it... I, hopefully they didn't gate the 480 power sword behind a paywall. But um, regardless, that fight was so tough and so close. I think that weapon really did help to make a difference because man it was it was it was brutal but i made it through i had to do it like four attempts because you don't you can't just be you gotta get an s rank of course um so it was brutal Uh, and i could have i could have come back to it later but yeah but i wanted to have it and to go back to your point rally uh kelly uh i keep i keep (laughs) thanks i keep having to go back to those other maps and do the low level maps which is kind of irritating that you can't just finish off one map after the other yeah but, yeah, you guys go out and play Fire Emblem. So, uh, thank you for your comments. You, too, can leave comments over at rpgamer.com. Go to the podcast section. Uh, just click the podcast at the top. Go to an RPG Backtrack. Always leave your comments on our latest episodes, because we don't go back and read the comments on the old episodes. Uh, that would be a lot of research. We're not really good at that. There really isn't any function on the site that shows you... there. There is now a comment on something from two years ago. So, if yeah. you do that, the odds are good that only you will ever see it. Yeah. I mean, I tried to eyeball, but there is a recent comment section, so if you were, like, one of the lucky last ten people to post, if we look in that section, we might see it. But you're really rolling the dice there, because as soon as ten other people leave a comment somewhere else, you're off that page. So, yeah. Anywho. Uh, but, yeah, you can leave comments for the show right there on the website. Eh, let's see. Let's do a roundtable. What are you guys playing? What are you doing on the website? What's new with you, Miss Kelly? Yes, well, um, I'm I'm coming off like a major 
console area redesigned right now because I had um, put put a lot of my old game cons my older game consoles you know the ones that still use like AV out put 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 those in storage for right now since I'm not really playing them all that much so um, that that's eventually leading to buying a, a better TV for down here and unfortunately a lot of newer TVs just don't have those kind of ports anymore so. Um, that, that's another project for another day. Um, <clears throat> as for playing, I got bit by the Animal Crossing bug. Ooh, Animal Crossing. Yes, yeah, so, um, Animal Crossing New Leaf, uh, or n I'm not, not with New Leaf, I'm sorry, New Horizons. I keep confusing those names. New Leaf was the 3DS one, New Horizons Switch one that just came out, um, like at the end of February, like right before all that pandemic crap pretty much uh ruined our lives um evil pandemic yeah but um I, i've been having so much fun with that because the new thing this time around is that you can terraform the game so after you like kind of hit the end game you get these permits to where you can build your own cliffs and rivers and um you can pretty much just kind of turn turn your island to your whim because the whole premise of this game is that you get a um desert island that you're in charge of and you know first you you start out in tents and hello um tom so, nook lets you so kelly you're telling me okay. they've added sim city into animal crossing yeah, yeah more or less <laughs> um a little bit of sim city a little bit of minecraft both the good and the bad because your weapons do break in this game just like in minecraft but unlike minecraft there's no uh like durability meter so they just like you're digging just for clams yeah, you're digging for... Well, no, if people have figured out that there's like a hundred hits on um, the mid-level tool before something breaks. But obviously there's no indicator to show which hit you're on, so you're, you know, you you'll be just... You keep cracking your head! Yeah, you'll just be digging for clams on the beach and all of a sudden, oh, your shovel broke. Or f fishing, just randomly, oh, your fishing pole broke. That <sighs> is just... In a, why do things break so easily in games when they really don't break that easily in real life? I I don't know. I honestly think that they were trying to chase the Minecraft uh, look from or feel from this game and not understanding the you know what makes Minecraft fun and what makes Minecraft Minecraft is the whole survival aspect versus this where it's like you're you're on an island and you're just building your town. There's no I'm random to gen a scenario in which. I have used a shovel before in my life, mm -hmm. and if I could only use it a hundred times before it broke, I would go back and be very angry at the merchant who sold me that defective piece of equipment. Well, well Mike, Mike, we all know that the, that the most compelling element of Zelda Breath in the Wild was the fact that the weapons and tool, whatever, break every five seconds. That's what people loved most about that game. So why not have it in Animal Crossing? Well, when you put it that way, right. uh, there is no reason. Yeah, throw it in. Make As it... you said, Breath of the Wild was universally beloved for that feature and nothing else. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I, I've, I've pretty much got my town to, like, exactly how I, how I want it now. I, I say that, and I might find, like, some other dumb thing that I'm gonna, gonna think to remodel. Or, you know, there might be a patch come out later that add... Supposedly there's gonna be a patch that adds, like, crops to the game. 
that I would have to like rethink some of my stuff because you know uh, most of the com customization is just kind of cosmetic. Like a lot of the furniture and stuff doesn't really do anything. It just looks nice. But um, if you go on YouTube and look up five star island tours and seeing some of the creativity that people have put into their islands, it's like I, I wish I was that creative. I'd like to think I was that creative. I, I draw, but apparently I suck at, you know, arranging furniture in an appealing way. Um, like seeing interior designers play this game and kind of the stuff that they can kind of put together just from the furniture given to you. And, <clears throat> one second. <clears throat> There's also a bit of an online component with this one now in that you can um, visit other people's islands via the Nintendo Switch Online thing. So, um, there's a website called turnip.exchange where you can, like, list your island for, uh, the, to the public and they get what's called a dodo code. And when you have that dodo code, if your island's open to other people, then, um, people can come visit your island. And mostly what people use that for is, um, exchanging turnips because that's how you make the big, the big bells in this game is, uh, playing the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> I Wait, was. Do turnips have stocks? Stocks. Nah, nah. S T A L K. Right. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, broccoli has stocks. I can't remember a turnip having a stock. It's just like a potato, right? You, you pull it out yeah. of the ground. I, 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 I'm such an idiot. You know, I've been playing Animal Crossing games since the GameCube version, and this mechanic has been the, in in this whole time. And the person that um, sells you the stall, uh, the turnips, it, her, it was a pig named Joan. So the joke is the Sal Jones stalk market, and it's like I cannot believe that I just just now learned that that was the joke. I feel that if Matt was on here, he would say that is perfectly worthy of a Dragon Quest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Animal Crossing has always been about the puns because, um, you know, Tom Nook is a pun. Or is supposed to be kind of like ta Tanuki because he's a raccoon. Uh, Isabel, her hair is sh shaped like a bell bag. Um, so that's that's a pun. I can't remember the rest of the various um, Animal Crossing puns, but... Those are the obvious ones, but regardless, um, it's it's neat being able to see other people's towns. Um, Chris Privetier is playing, and he's been to my town several times because we've been trading items back and forth. And he said that my town is awesome. Uh, I I built a stage um, so that people can have have fake concerts. So I put like a drum kit on there and decked out all the um, like the the background. I put a backdrop on it and um, did custom designs for my favorite band, Sonata Artica, and um, made, made like t-shirts and hats and merchandise to put outside so that there's like a little t-shirt stand outside of it um it's, it's been really fun customizing in that so yeah it, but... it has been the thing that has just dominated online <laughs> you know the online gaming zeitgeist i do find, kind of feel like i've been missing out by not playing yeah and like celebrities have been playing it like there was a news article going around that elijah wood visited a, a girl's town because she had um she'd opened up her town to uh sell bells or no to sell um turnips because she had like a really high turnip price and elijah wood just pm'd her and was like hey do you mind if i come to your town it's like oh well, of course i'm gonna let frodo come to my town Did and you see then, danny trejo was yeah Dan it? yeah danny trejo which that cracked me up yeah, no I kidding. never would have pegged him as an Animal Crossing person. He's got some but, time to kill during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, and that's the other everyone does. That's the other thing about this game. It couldn't have dropped at a better time because it, it dropped like right when the lockdown started happening. So that's how people kind of connected and had um, digital birthday parties because they couldn't go to actually see people because of the pandemic. Um, putting a bit of a timestamp on this show, but yeah, that, that's been a lot of fun. And the other thing that I'm just going to touch on briefly, at the risk of getting kicked off the show permanently, is I. Uh, I got very obsessed with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Do we know how many parts this remake is going to have in the end? No clue. No clue. What can I do for you? But I can tell you that this, like, part one, I think was, um, think was pretty satisfying because it was just Midgar. But it, it made Midgar feel so much more alive than the original PlayStation did. Because, um, you do a lot, you... He spent a lot of a lot of time in the slums, and there's like several different slums areas, like the Sector Seven slums where Tifa's bar is, and then the Sector Six slums where um, the Wall Market is. And you know, Cloud spends a little bit of time doing a bunch of side quests in those areas, and you kind of get to know a lot of the NPCs. And it was just kind of, it really helped make the stakes more real when they get to the plot point where where they try to drop the plate. Um, I, I not realize I'm getting into spoilers, but it's <laughs> spoilers for a 20-year-old game reskinned at this point. Um, well, it's RPG Backtrack. This is what we do. I, I can't imagine anybody that's listening to Backtrack doesn't know about the original plot to Final Fantasy VII. I hope. Um, if not, if I spoiled the game for you, I'm sorry. But I'm not, uh, like... I, I remember it. I, uh... I'm sorry, the original Final Fantasy VII did not make much of an impression on me ten years after I played it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and they really gave Biggs and Wedge and Jesse a lot more of a personality. So, like, they they have stakes now. Um, Wedge in this version of the game is freaking adorable. He, uh, he has cats that are named um, Biggie, Reginald, and something else. Um, Biggie, Reginald, and Smalls, so he basically named his cats Biggie Smalls, which is adorable. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, it, I, I had a whole lot of fun with it, and I was trying to platinum trophy it, and the only reason I didn't is because the final boss was way too hard on hard mode, and I just c couldn't do it, and I had to kind of step away from the game after that, but... Um, yeah, I loved Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I can't wait to see where they're going to go with it next. And that that's that's pretty much all I've been playing. Cool. I also hear it's got a really good soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Um, really good soundtrack, um, really good voice acting. Uh, they've actually, they actually got some kind of decent celebrities in this version, because, um, the guy who played Badger in, uh, Breaking Bad plays Wedge. And it's funny because he's like practically the same character, just you know, not hooked on meth. <laughs> yeah, but, we uh, know that it, you, we will not see much in the way of drug addiction in anything from Japan. Yeah, no. yeah, but yeah, I've I've had a busy couple of months since we did our Muso Muso stuff to, between Animal Crossing and Final Fantasy VII. I dipped my toe a little bit in the Trials of the Trials of Mana remake, but. Uh, like, as of this recording, um, Xenoblade Chronicles Remaster is coming out, and I'm definitely going to be playing through that again, just because I lo love the original game so much. So, so that's your summer sorted. Yeah, more or less. 
next 120 hours of gaming set for you. I don't remember the Wii version feeling that long. I don't know. Like, I know I was over 100. I can't remember. Maybe I was just... I mean, it, it very well could have been I could pull up my save file and look, but I... And I know I put... Alex will join you. Yeah, I know I put a lot of uh, time into the Wii version, but I don't remember exactly how much. I, I just remember, like, be, finishing the game, like, on my birthday that year. And, yeah. <laughs> Bes- besides, good. Josh, you need to play Xenoblade 2 so that we can do a backtrack on that. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's in the backlog, it's in the pile of shame, <laughs> needs to get played. I know, I know. I'm right there with you, Chief. Uh, Xenoblade games definitely something I, I, I need to get into. Y'all already, I think I already talked about 30 hours in Xenoblade, the original one. Hopefully, uh, you know, <clears throat> they've made some, some improvements to the AI and stuff that'll make the combat more enjoyable for me. Or, I, I hope so. I hope so. Um... And then, uh, and then I still need to get to the later ones too. Uh, those are really cool, epic games with really great. So feel like um, I'm not doing uh, the right job by not having those knocked out. Xenoblade Two story was really good. The only thing that sucked was kind of the RNG mechanic of getting new blades. Mm. But well, there's blades. always got to be some sort of RNG that you don't like in an RPG. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's like peas and carrots, RNG and RPGs. It just goes together. Anything else for us, Miss Kelly? Nope, I I think that's about it. Mr. Marpenter? Well, I just found something. It looks like Mr. Carpenter had a Final Fantasy IX review that went up a little while ago. Mm. And got a commenter. Someone (laughs) we for a while. (laughs) But someone we remember. (laughs) (laughs) Why, why, Josh, would you like to go into the, the way that this comment is so different from previous comments by this person in the past gonna gonna <laughs> cast a resurrection spell within my nemonomicron oh like I, I thought it was really good that this has been sitting up there Th- this review is from last year and the comment just came down like a few days ago word to help <laughs> that's Me. just that's just our old fr- our old um acquaintance otterland yeah. you obviously have an opinion and that is wrong yeah yeah I, I made the mistake of not not liking the atb battles in final fantasy 9 and apparently that is an unforgivable opinion would you like me to dramatically read the review or the comment okay just me, uh, just put just put the rel- just put the appropriate level of melodrama into it <clears throat> That Joshua Carpenter believes menu-driven ATB combat is some kind of inherent problem leads leads me to believe that he understands nothing about video games and even less about JRPGs. Does Final Fantasy VI suffer from its combat? Does Chrono Trigger? What about Bravely Default, Octopath Traveler, and Persona 5? Why is the person who holds such an opinion ever writing for this publication? Or even writing for this publication. I did a much better job doing that the other night. I, yeah. How how do you answer these these completely well founded and well written accusations, Josh? Totally. Yeah. Yep. He's got me. He's got me. <laughs> how because dare you have I'm an totally opinion? A fraud. <laughs> how dare you have an opinion that doesn't agree with his? As as he makes clear. Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger, Bravely Default, Octopath Traveler, and Persona 5 have identical combat mm-hmm. engines to Final Fantasy IX. Yep, there's yep. no question about that. Um, um, objection. Uh, Bravely Default, Octopath Traveler, and Persona 5 do not have an ATB. They are turn-based. 
there's a difference between ATB and turn-based in that ATB just keeps whacking no matter what versus turn-based, which are in all those games that he described, uh, do not have an ATB. So get a better Kelly. argument. <laughs> Kelly, remember that if you respond to this, you will never get a response back because he will ignore you. <laughs> or get banned, one of the two. But no, I just... I. I Commenting on reviews that you don't agree with just fascinates me because it's like, why are you even reading the review if it's an opinion that you don't like? I, I, I have no problem with people like disagreeing with me or bringing up points that they don't agree with. But yeah, like that one was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, geez, this goes back about six years ago now when I reviewed Ark the Lad 2. It's, of course, a retro review. Mm -hmm. And this person accused me of performing journalistic fellatio on the game by giving it a three and a half out of five overall and saying, I can't believe yet another person has liked this worthless piece of trash. Uh, <laughs> no, a three and a half out of five is the best possible score and is equivalent to journalistic fellatio, right? <laughs> what a comment, man. What a comment. <laughs> uh, if Sam was here, she could chime in about when... A lovely otter decided to pitch a fit about everyone on the site who was reviewing Valkyrie Profile Covenant of the Plume didn't like it, and that's completely wrong because it's so amazing and great. Um, Covenant of the Plume made me practically th er, throw my DS on the couch, say, screw this, I'm breaking out the pro-action replay so that I can be free of this piece of shit. <laughs> well, obviously, Kelly, you are wrong, because Otter loved it, and he is the only one who matters. He's the sole I... arbiter of what's good in JRPGs. It was a fun game until the final boss fight that managed to uh, revive itself to full health twice. Ugh. Twice. <laughs> I have managed to forget most of Covenant of the Plume because it was not very good compared to... The first Valkyrie profile. Yeah, I, I I can definitely see why you didn't like it. I I liked it up until that point, and then at that point I just ah uh, uh, oh bad memories. Uh, well, I've uh, had my rite of passage. I've been ordered. So you have. Congrats. M most of us who have been on the site for a while have been ordered. Phil, you've been ordered, right? I I guess the ordering was so horrible that Phil can't stand to remember it quite yet. Anyway, Josh. Uh, now that we've gone through the wonder, the wonders of the otterling, uh, you've probably been doing other things aside from getting amused by yeah. otter making fits with you. Yeah, a few things. Let me let me talk about some of that. Before I get into that, let me let me drop one. Since we're in the kitchen sink portion of the show, let me drop one little thing. One 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 further related Falcom game to what we've been talking about. It's an import game that never came out here. But it did get an English fan patch, and so I played it a few years back. It's called Nayuta no Kiseki. Uh, it's a PSP game. And if you're a real big Falcom fan, the Kiseki name will probably sound familiar, because that's Trails. So it's it so it sounds like it's set up as like a Trails spinoff, and that's kind of how Falcom like pitched it. And in fact, they kind of pitched it as kind of like a, a mashup of Trails and Ease, action RPG Trails game. Although you notice they kind of like drop the Legend of Heroes, so they're trying to like say like, oh, it's kind of like Trails, but you know, not 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 of the series. So this game is totally separate from the Trails subseries. Like there is no connection, no characters, not not. 
far as anyone can tell, not on the same world, nothing, absolutely no, no connection. And so I started playing it and what it, when I started playing it, what it actually is, is, is a uh, stealth Zvi game. Basically, it's like another another sequel to Zvi, but you know, as we talked about, the first two Zvi games sold like crap. So Falcom decided to uh, like, hey, let's Kiseki games sell pretty well. Let's slap Kiseki on there and see well, if it sells better. The second one sold even worse because at least they ported the first one to other things. Yeah, second one Oreo was part insurrection. Yeah, second one, you know, famously was like one of their worst selling games of all time, and it was their last PC game, you know, so. Which sucks because I thought the second one was miles better than the first one. I know, I know. The second one's a really good game. So, so with this one, it's like very much like, you know, uh, where, where, uh, Square used to do that, like, oh, we got a game, let's slap Final Fantasy on it, you know, mm -hmm. so, <laughs> whether it has any relation to that really or not. So this one's the same thing. It's it's an action RPG. It's very much a Zvi game. I, instead of having two characters that you like, you swap between. They've just kind of like done away with that, and they've just mapped the one uh, magic character to just one button. So you can just mm. press the button to do the magic attack. <laughs> okay. But it, it, it's kind of like the. It, it's kind of weird because it's kind of the inverse of the Zvi games. Because the Zvi games, I always thought what the 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 heart and the core of those things was just how dang charming those games were like the combat isn't bad especially in the second game but the um it, you know like those games had exuded a lot of charm they were a lot of fun from that standpoint this one the story and the characters the characters are kind of pretty bland and tropish and the story is at times was just kind of like unbelievably dumb Remember this? There's this one point where you have to like protect this character from the bad guy. You have to hide her. So what is the what is the main character thing to do? Well, I'm gonna take her back to the place where I first ran into the bad guy. He's never <laughs> gonna think to look there, you know. Sure enough, like yeah, he kidnaps her. I'm like, <laughs> there's a lot of that that goes on. You know, it's just kind of like bad guys, <laughs> bad guys being bad. Want want to you know destroy the world. And your plucky little hero has to go off to the magical dimension and defeat the bad guys who are trying to destroy the world. It always seems a little self-defeating to want to destroy the world. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but the combat in this game is just fantastic. It is easily my favorite action RPG on the PSP. Um, it is. It's fast-paced. It's got a different feel than like Ease does. It's. It's not. Quite White, you know, Ease is super fast-paced. This is just, you know, it dials it back just a little bit, and you've got that, um, you know, you constantly have the magic attacks kind of uh, uh, added in all the time. They added in a little bit, a, a good bit of platforming, actually. Um, the the secondary character, um, Noi or something like that, it's like a fairy from the, the other universe. Um she's able to like transform your character into different things so you can transform into a gear and like go up walls and there's a lot of interesting stuff uh in, in terms of like actual gameplay mechanics in it and the boss battles are just over the top like you know usually when we talk about and the game just looks gorgeous i mean usually when we talk about falcom we're usually saying like oh you know they're kind of like half a gen behind everybody else mm -hmm. but this one came out right at the end of the psp's life cycle and you could tell they were fine they were getting really good at the psp i really do think it's like one of the better looking psp games the bosses are really huge and intricate the boss battles themselves are like these multi-stage interesting battles 
um, there was this one where you fight this gigantic fish, and then halfway through the battle, it like grabs part of the part of the uh, this bridge that you're on, and then you go down a waterfall, and then you're fighting this fish as you're falling down a waterfall. It's just like crazy stuff going on. Incre- it's it's a fantastic, incredibly fun game from the, especially from the combat standpoint. And thanks to that uh, fan patch, I mean, you know, you know, we, 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 we won't get into the legality of that, but certainly there are, you know, ways to play it in English. And it's I don't it's think just... Sony cares very much right now. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. They didn't care back then either. <laughs> uh, Sony. No, Sony I... for UMDs. I, I I feel bad knocking on the PSP because I love that little system. It was such an awesome little system, and I think it got done dirty, uh, particularly by Sony, who just didn't know how to market it to people, and that yeah. that's a crying shame. What? You didn't want to watch on Golden Pond on UMD with your PSP? <laughs> uh, no, because I... I don't know I if I had a totally smartphone. I totally watched Family Guy on UMD, man. That was awesome. <laughs> that was the definitive <laughs> you, you way to watch Family Guy. you get the Family Guy UMD that came with uh, some of the back ends? Yeah, I got that uh-huh. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the definitive way to watch Family Guy. Hey, we do have an Advent Children UMD somewhere, sitting around somewhere. <laughs> Phil, I was at. Do you remember when you got ottered in the past? Uh, it's been so long. I, I mean, I know I have been. It's a rite of passage. Uh, you're just not even considered a staff member until it's happened to you. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have a short-term memory. I, I need to write more reviews just so that I can get ordered. I feel like I'm missing out. We even have a theme song about it here at RP Gamer. Sooner or later, otter's gonna get ya. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, man. You saw that lovely otter review that I, or no, that editorial that yeah. I sent out, that was showing something. his amazing thought process. How obviously everyone else is wrong, so he can only trust himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moral, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder what color the sky is in his world. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna guess purple, but that's just a guess, based on what seems to be his favorite color. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so, now you did no Kiseki. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just kind of wanted to put in a couple of good words for it. If you if you play the Zvi games, which are easy to get, um, and really enjoy them, I, I highly recommend tracking down Nayuto no Kiseki because it's a very good like third stage. Basically, it's the third Zvi game because I I don't think Falcom's ever going to uh, revive Zvi, you know, exactly. But this is as close as they'll ever get. It's totally worth playing. Uh, they're mostly an ease and trails company now. Yeah, they throw in other stuff every once in a while. We get the Tokyo Zans and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, I can it, hope. It's been 12 years now since Ilvard Insurrection was made, but you know, yeah. Falcom keeps occasionally going back and doing older stuff. Yep, they're always about mining their old IP, new you, side projects. You know what's funny is that my uh, I got a... Turbo Graphics Mini that arrived today, and just for shits and giggles, I booted up just to see what it looked like in its original form. And you know, my exposure to classic ease is the PSP version, which were kind of spit shined. And I was like, man, I mean, this game looks really cool, but I can see the age on this. Oh yeah, like That's that wasn't even the original version. No, Kelly. that 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 one's been ported. It was originally on you know a Japanese PC, oh, whatever, right, PC ninety eight right. or whatever. 
yeah, well, I've, way back I've, when there was only one ease at the very beginning, when it couldn't <laughs> be bundled with ease one with ease two because ease two wasn't quite out yet. Yeah, yeah, but I I immediately went to the field and it's like sure enough that music just kicks in and is that the uh, CD ver? That's the CD version, and uh, yeah, I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure. So it has I, the has the really awesome soundtrack. Yeah. 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 Well, to be fair, you you have to work to make the Ease games have bad soundtracks. Yeah. Oh, that's that's that soundtrack is so amazing. Just that that overworld music that everybody knows that is just so thumping. Oh, I love that. I just thought I'd bring that up since we were talking Falcom today and made me oh, think yeah. of you think of our show. Serendipitous. <laughs> yeah. Back back when Falcom was a piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The old days. I will say that's one of the cool things about the PC version and playing in, in Nose of Falgana right now is that you can switch between like the newer the newer versions or the older PC engine version. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, XE did 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 a good job on or, or you know localizing. Mm-hmm. Maybe Falcom will decide it needs to remake Dragon Slayer now. Ooh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I don't know how the hell you'd do that. You'd have to really remake know. it. There was no story in that game. None. <laughs> no. Hey, I mean, uh, you know, Nintendo did that with uh, Shadows of Valentia, so and turned that, you know, fleshed that out into a full game. So, but but Dragon Slayer goes even further back. <laughs> yeah, that that predates Legend of Heroes, right? Yeah, God, <laughs> it's bad when you predate Ease because Ease was, you know, contemporary of original Zelda. Yes, <laughs> early stuff. I think it's a contemporary of early Hydlide. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes! Oh man, we got we got off on a Falcom tangent. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to do. Falcom has a long history. Get it easy? Oh, ah. oh yeah, easy. Uh, I have been doing a couple other things around the side. I, I actually reviewed a game. It had been quite a while, but I, I got around and reviewed a game. So I reviewed the new. Uh, uh, what would we call it? Soft reboot of Sakura Wars. Ah uh, yes, what. Technically, should be Sakura Wars Six, but I don't think is. Yeah, well, it's. I think they did a very good job with it. It's very much set up with the idea, you know, it's set ten years after the last Sakura Wars game, and it's very much set up so that, like, okay, new new people can come in. You don't need to know anything about what happened in the first five games. You can play this. It's perfectly fine. But at the same time, they still have lots of tie-ins to those first five games for the fans. So if you've been so if you've played those first five games and you played the new Sakura Wars, there there will be tons of characters. There's be tons of little nods that you'll get that you'll enjoy, but it won't. You know, it doesn't feel like it would go over someone's head who's never played any of. It. So I think they struck the balance really well in terms of that. They pretty much had to, considering how long it's been since one of those games has come out. You know, we're talking about at least an entire generation pushing two generations, so, you know. Yeah, because that was PS2 and Wii. Yeah, so... (laughs) There have been so many gamers since then that have never heard of, never touched a Sakura. They kind of had to do it like that. It's, at least in terms of the story, like, it totally recaptures the feeling of those games. You know, the lip system, which is their their weird system for interacting, where you have, uh, like, multiple choices every single time. It's on a timer. You you either have to make, like, usually it's, like, one of three choices, or you can always just choose not to choose. And sometimes... Yeah, sometimes the right choice is to 
oh, all of these are terrible. Maybe I should just say nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's several several times where it's just like, oh, yeah, these are all bad choices. I'm just going to sit here and say nothing. And that's a totally valid and sometimes very correct choice. Um, yeah, that's still a lot of fun. Um, they've swapped this time. Traditionally, it's always been a, a strategy RPG. This time, it's an action RPG. And... I don't know how to describe the action RPG segments without making it sound like I'm I'm damning it with faint praise, <laughs> or you know, like because it's fine, you know, it, it's okay. It feels weird when you play when you go through like several hours of uh, of heavy story and then you have like a 15 minute action segment. And it just to me, it feels a little bit weird. At least when it was a strategy RPG, it felt. You know, a strategy RPG, a lot of times a map, it might take you 30 or 45 minutes, and it feels a little bit better balanced than something like a, uh, something with a 15-minute with a action. It's not, it's not like it's terrible combat or anything like that. It's just kind of like fine and inoffensive, you know? I, I can't say that without it sounding kind of bad, but I don't really mean it that way. Praising most, the faint damn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, like for the most part, I'm coming to Sakura Wars for the the goofy story and the you know the anime silliness, and and I got that, so I was quite pleased. But you know, you're you're, you're probably not gonna be happy if you come to this game looking for a really good action because it's just you know that, that's not what Sakura Wars. If you want a really good action RPG, we we suggested some from Falcom tonight. Yes, we have. There's plenty of good other action RPGs if you're concerned about combat. There's also Trails, uh, I'm not Trails, Trials of Mana, yeah. which just came out and is also, uh, that, that's, uh, the, that's the exact opposite of um, Sakura Wars. It's like mostly combat and the story is just kind of there. there. Yeah. <laughs> Give you a reason to go from point A to point B. That's yep. about it. Yeah. Well, geez, it's a story from 95 that I gather they didn't update too much. That, no. That they just slapped some voice acting in it and called it good. Like that wonderful voice acting we got in the Secret of Mana remake. <laughs> oh, no, this is even worse because the a little girl in it talks like this and you do your baby talk even though she's supposed to be 16. Oh, I think I know nuts. which character that would be. Yep. Yeah, oh, that's what, I mean, okay. I played it in Japanese, but I never thought when playing Seiken Densetsu, I want to hear them speak everything. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have for us, Mr. Minky? What's new with you? Uh, Well, let's see here. Since last we did this, I think that I have managed to review a few things, like Spy the Arca's Adventure. I think I reviewed that. And I think I reviewed Spy the Ilvard Insurrection also. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I did. Pretty sure you had different opinions about those. Well, you know what? I think you right, Josh. I think <laughs> that I had things to say. And those things are unlikely to be 100% replicated by anyone else in the world. But... I can also accept that. But but has Otter passed judgment on whether they're correct opinions or not? <laughs> Apparently he hasn't gotten around to playing these yet. Oh, okay. We will find out. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I also did something else. I don't think it was Grimshade because I think I had finished of that when last we spoke. But now I have to think. I have to actually look through all of my stinking Steam stuff in order to see if you did what the hell was it? Because Alex keeps giving me things to review. Onto them eventually. Uh, now I, th I definitely reviewed Longerser one and two for our last episode. I remember talking about that. Was it was it Mistover? Have we ever talked about Mistover? I don't remember. Phil, have we talked about Mistover? Yeah. Yep. Okay. 
Uh, okay, then. My memory is failing me. So let's just go on with the stuff that I have yet not yet reviewed. I wasn't even sure that we covered Garumin, a monstrous adventure, but now that I see we do, I feel like I should probably write up a review for it, since uh, the one we have is for the PSP, and the Windows version is a somewhat different experience. But we've already talked about Garumin tonight, so I'm not going to say any more about that. Let's see. I have been playing something called Banner of the Maid. I am not ready to really going to take a little while, but I have Here's shared something. a couple, a couple <laughs> of fascinating screenshots. Like, Josh, you have experienced these screens that I have shared. What is your yes. impression of the localization level? Uh, not good. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I've seen worse, but it's not good. Saying that you've seen worse really doesn't go very far. No. I, I've played Secret of the Stars. That was awful. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it, it's comprehensible. I'll give it that. And I don't think it was done using Google Translate because it certainly is more comprehensible would be if someone just threw it through an auto-translator and had done. But it's kind of awkwardly phrased and lots of phrases are... You have to puzzle for a moment to figure out what the heck are they saying? Oh, that must be... Tra translated by someone who does not speak English as their... Well, it is a Chinese game, so that yeah. would probably make sense. And there, the there, character... there, there is a distinct difference between machine translation and, and someone who, you know, just doesn't speak English. You can, you can usually tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen... If it had been completely machine translated, we would have seen a whole bunch of complete gobbledygook and gibberish yeah. pop up. Yeah. And I haven't seen any of that. Just strangely phrased as if words are missing every now and then and the character designs are nice the the tactical combat in and of itself is kind of slow so i need to be in the right mood to play it at this point mm. and it has your your semi-standard tactical precepts but light infantry light infantry is good against people with muskets but not against people with rifles and rifles are good against heavy infantry but heavy infantry is better against uh something artillery can't counterattack you and it sets so, in the french revolution slash napoleon era so so they tried to create a weapons triangle but it sounds like they they made it really confusing to make it make it something where you can't just remember like oh this is this counters this counters this no i have to keep looking at the unit descriptions and say okay uh okay these austrian jaegers they're strong against line infantry and not so strong against light cavalry yeah okay. but and like artillery. good idea not good execution <laughs> yeah and the leveling in particular is very much like fire emblem you get a level your stats might go up by one. oh this is the type of thing where okay oh my my defense went up by one well if that's the difference between taking three damage and it attacks me twice or taking two damage and it attacks me twice that's a pretty big difference yeah and it has some interesting ideas. There are campfires where if you sit next to them, then you get healed some each turn. But hmm. if it starts raining, campfires can't stay on. <laughs> and then there's the narrative, which I'm still trying to puzzle through because... All right, it let, it let sounded me... bizarre when I saw the PR stuff for this game. Well, I do have just... one question. Is it is it based on real historical events? Oh, totally. <laughs> Okay. I have to say yes. <laughs> the introdu the introductory disclaim states, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to have to go off memory, that though this is 
based vaguely on a real place and time. None of the people or situations are, in fact, factual. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so you are playing Pauline Bonaparte. And yes, she is the sister of some some guy named Napoleon Bonaparte. You may have heard of that guy. He's, he's fairly obscure. Yeah. And you will interact at least briefly with such luminaries as Marie Antoinette and Louis Sixteenth and Robespierre and Murat and others that whose names have seeped through the history books so that even if you don't know about your French Revolution, you've probably heard of some of these people. And you get to have Pauline start going into Italy to help her brother's campaigns against those scalawag Austrians. And she gets to take the banner of the maid, which is indeed the banner that Joan of Arc once used. It hasn't played a, p a plot role yet, but I'm assuming it eventually will, because it's the title of the damn game. You better make something special of it or it's a waste. You would hope. <laughs> so how are we going to tie the French Revolution up in Joan of Arc's coat strings? I don't know. But uh, I, I tend to play one or two battles at a time just because it's not a particularly exciting or fast-moving tactical game. And I, right now, I kind of need something more fast-paced. So I will get it reviewed eventually. Just I'm apparently less than halfway through, so it's going to be a little bit. Sorry. Yeah, that happens. Uh, other, I have played Streets of Rage 4 quite a bit recently. Now, I've Ooh. heard that's pretty good. They are full of rage. They are indeed. And you know the right way to quell the rage, right, Phil? With violence. Exactly. As Michael Ironside in Starship Troopers once told us, violence has solved every problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. Amen. And really, when you are confronted with a whole bunch of guys who are wielding knives and spiked baseball bats and grenades and trying to throw you off of an elevator high in the air so that you'll die, I think it's time that you need to kill them. And the only way to kill them is with your fists or your feet or by picking up something equally accommodating such as a sword or a spear or a meat or even just a wrecking ball that you bash around and it hits people. There, there's just something to be said for the, the reptile brain, brain simplicity of beating the crap out of a bunch of people in quick succession. It's very well done here. Very, very beautifully rendered and animated. Gorgeous. It holds the... It's it it definitely carries over the style of the the older games the predecessors but but it it definitely is definitely shows that two D graphics are not dead nor should they be I concur I I do not know why I can't play as Rue yet that's very strange to have him sitting there tending bar in stage five and yet I can't seem to unlock him yet oh they brought hey, back the kangaroo he's just there behind the bar <laughs> <laughs> he Which... was my favorite character in three. Yeah, you get to unlock the four regular characters of Streets of Rage 3 and Shiva, but not Rue. At least not yet. DLC. You know it's going to be DLC. Yeah. <sighs> probably. They'll probably give you DLC for Ash, too. The one that we were never supposed to be playing in this country because uh, he's such a ridiculous stereotype that Sega probably rightly oh, wrote no. him out of the code for North America. <laughs> You've heard of this, right, Josh? Right, Kelly? I've never... No, I didn't hear about this. Is this like another poison thing? Uh, similar but different. Ash is just such a ridiculous homosexual stereotype that oh. he would have gotten horrible, horrible. Look, Ooh, yeah, look him up. yeah, one of those, okay. <laughs> he, he, of course, uses the girl scream from the game and wears nothing but leather. And 
I don't know, just look for it. You'll, you'll see why Sega probably thought, hmm, may not huh. want to advertise that. Some, some good <laughs> restraint. It just reminds me of Rob Halford. Uh, give it a look-see, Kelly. No, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the, 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 uh, sprites. They, they, whoever created this was clearly a fan of Judas Priest. That's exactly who he looks like, is Rob Halford. While true, you need to see him in action. Uh, to, to really understand how strange and probably publicity shy. No, no, I, I can understand why they wouldn't want to open up that can of worms. Let's see. And I played a fair amount of Metal Slug 3 recently, where I discovered it's kind of annoying if Metal Slug, which it occasionally does, on Steam. I'm not sure if that's Steam or me or something going wrong. It's very annoying. Metal Slug is not the type of game where you can have a freeze for even a moment. Uh, I've been playing Dust and Elysian Tale. That's kind of enjoyable. Oh, that's one of my favorite indie games. I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's so pretty, to too. Right now, that is true. It is pretty. very pretty. That, that was all made by one guy. Except for the music, right? <laughs> yeah, the music was somebody different, but like all the animation and stuff was um, all one guy. And I think the... the I think he was the character designer for um, Jazz Jackrat. I seem to remember him being used as an example by Jim Sterling when coming up with, this is why you don't want to put out a game every week. I, he was uh, uh, read, mentioning digital homicide. Oh, right. <laughs> making, making a good indie game takes time, he said. Get out. Yeah. Get out. I know. I know. Blasphemy. Let's see. I've also been playing Castle Crashers in recent days. That's that- kind of fun. That's got a really neat art style, and maybe I should hook up with you. We could do some co-op. That's a pretty good game to do co-op, too. It is, because then if I get killed, you can revive me or vice versa instead of me having to boot it back to the start of the level, although at least it doesn't lose me any progress. Yeah, I, you know, I bought it on the... I was Because I, I think it originally came out for the Xbox, and I remember seeing it going, man, I wish I could play that. I love the art style, and I kind of like that side-scrolling beat-em-up deal, and, you know, it's got the fantasy, you know, out left field type of uh, theming going for it. So I was very excited, but I'm like, oh, it's 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 on Xbox. I'm not getting it. And then they brought it to the PlayStation. I'm like, yay! And I bought it for the PlayStation, and then I and I had no fits to play it with. <laughs> so as a single-player well, experience, Steam. I didn't get too, too far. Let me see if I have it on Steam, but I, I, well, I might. Wasn't Castle Crashers made by the same people that did Alien Hominid? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. I never played Alien Hominid, but eventually Alien Hominids um, appear in Castle Crashers, and you have to kill a whole bunch of them uh. right before crashing a flying saucer. <laughs> and I have attempted to play Borderlands 3 a couple of times. It has not gone anywhere. The game has started, nothing has happened, and then after several minutes, I have been informed that the game crashed. Oh, Denuvo. Hmm. Yes, that is apparently my... I should have known Vo is so idiotically intrusive that it will actually prevent me from being able to play the game. That is definitely the best means of copy protection. If no one plays the game, then you, no one's going to copy it. Right. Yeah, that, that's big brain time right there. No one can copy a game if you can't play it. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. You know, I, I played a little bit of Bastion on the Vita, but 
that's been a few weeks now. And I, I don't play games much at work anymore. I'm trying to decompress by going outside or plunging back into the fray of all the stuff that I've done lately. And shockingly, I haven't seen anything in a theater in a long, long time. I know. Get out. Right? Get out. I saw something the last freaking games were closed. It was the hunt. It was freaking ridiculous in most spots, but it was fun. The the last movie I saw in a theater was um, Onward. See, I was going to see if, if any of my relatives wanted to see that. They're, I have Disney Holic relatives that they would have wanted to. And then mm-hmm. I thought, oh, it's not that important. We'll have time. No, we won't. Well, if, if it's on Disney, if they have Disney Plus now, they can watch it whenever they want. I was actually kind of annoyed at how quickly that went to Disney Plus. Disney's major revenue right now is its theme parks. And <laughs> that's, that's in a world of hurt. <laughs> and I haven't even been watching that many other movies at home. I have still watched some. I, who I am if I just stopped watching everything entirely. The last thing I watched was Space Camp, which was kind of disappointing. And since nobody else seems to remember it, that's the movie set in the Space Camp that was released in 1986. And if uh-huh. you don't remember, that, that was the year the Challenger blew up. Yeah, I remember. I, I grew Yikes. up and I, I grew up near Huntsville, so yeah, I'm well aware. Uh, of that. <laughs> and, I, was too, I was too young to remember the Challenger explosion. My earliest newsworthy memory was the, the baby Jessica thing. Uh, oh. I don't remember it at the time. I was too young, but I somebody in a, a, a speech-making class I took once pulled up a clip of Reagan addressing the nation after Challenger blew up, so I remember that, seeing it 15 years after he made the speech as an example of here's how you do a good address. Yeah, I don't think I was watching it at the time, because I would have been, like, first, so I don't I don't think we saw clip. But the movie itself, uh, uh, it's kind of predictable, it's kind of yeah. boring, it's kind of overlong. Yeah, yeah. The Everybody's fine in it, but it's... Uh, I, I remember liking it as a kid just because it was like, like oh, it's space. <laughs> but that was when I was really little. Yeah, now the robot is kind of annoying. Now the kid who constantly compares everything to Star Wars makes me wonder, how the hell did you get that past when this is a, the MGM release? Hmm. How are you constantly able to say... I am Han Solo to your Luke Skywalker. Uh, uh, wow, I guess George Lucas wasn't as uh, aggressive with the lawsuits in in eighty six. Must <laughs> be. Oh, oh wait, he was doing. He was busy with Howard the Duck in eighty six. That's what he was up to. Oh, oh. <laughs> talk about movies I need to watch again. <laughs> talk about movies I liked with a kid as a kid that did not age well. I- that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I remember I liking that as a kid, and I'm like, like I bet you this isn't as good now, but I still want to see it again. I last saw it back before it was on 
disk when I had to use a pirated file. Yes. Well, I I don't have that file anymore, so even if the MPAA decides to come along and try to vengeance upon me, <laughs> it's gone. No, well, what makes me sad is that the MCU has kind of hinted at Howard the Duck and the Guardians movies, and I don't know if they'll ever be able to make a Howard the Duck movie because of the stigma of the 80s version. They could try. And that that makes me sad because... have been revitalized. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would love to see them try. I'd just be so afraid of... Well, I mean, I, I know MCU could pull it off because that's just what they're good at, but the stigma, I think that's what they're worried about. That particular character. They will do it. Not like that movie did it. Yeah, There's really. Let's see, what else have we... Oh my goodness, that's right. The Matrix 4 has been delayed in production due to virus production and shutdowns. I'm sorry. I know that the Matrix 4 was what was going to reunite the world because everyone... It's been 17 years. We can finally say, yeah, we're ready for another we, We've finally forgotten the other Matrix movies, so now we're, we're ready for another one. I think I that's like... I like the first one a whole lot, and the sequels are just kind of meh. Uh, the Freeway Chase and Reloaded is pretty good. Oh yeah, I, I agree with that. I happen to agree with somebody at the time who said that one never needs to see Keanu Reeves' butt, though. <laughs> uh, and I think we're getting a new Masters of the Verse movie. I don't know where it is in production, but... The Dolph Lundgren is no longer the only cinematic interpretation of Masters of the Universe. Oh, yes! One other thing that I saw, which was actually very interesting. The Wiz! Oh, man. <laughs> I know, it came out long before Seinfeld, so even though every time they say, We're off to see The Wiz! I kept thinking, I no! But if he beats him! <laughs> but, no, no. Come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. Hey, you've heard the song, Phil. Take a look. Ease on down, ease on down the road. With uh, Michael Jackson as the scarecrow. Yep, and Diana Ross as Dorothy. And Richard Pryor as the Wiz. <laughs> And for some reason, he is in a mock-up of the World Trade Center, which Ooh. in 1978 was fine. Now, it's a little weird. And a Wicked Witch of the West, who has a, a literal sweatshop, in that that is what she's having her workers do. She wants them to sweat, <laughs> so they work hard in the, schwa, in the shop. That has a sprinkler system. Which Dorothy, if you know what the Wicked Witch of the West is about, you know how stupid it is that she has a sprinkler system in her sweatshop. Indeed. She has to follow code. Hello. She doesn't have a choice in a matter, Mickey. It's right there in the bylaws. Is it, Phil? Yeah, totally. Is it in the bylaws when we're when we've been taken away by a magical blizzard tornado to 
a land where crows pester a scarecrow? Well, that that's the invisible enemy, and there's nothing we can do about the invisible enemy, okay? When you put it like that, I really can't compare. Yeah. It's all about, I think that'll do it for me for now. It's all You're- about the invisible enemy. Shoot. Well, uh, uh, gosh, uh, uh, lots of Persona, because it's the year of Persona 5, right? So I'm on, uh, I just passed up, uh, or I just finished Fataba? Fataba's uh, Dungeon Dude Dad? And boy, does that got the feels. Holy cow, lots of feels in that Mm -hmm. game. I won't spoil anything, because it is a, I mean, it can be a newish game, I suppose, but uh, it is feels. Lots and lots of feels. Uh, uh, boy, by the time I get through playing Persona, I hate all them damn adults, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I say that as an adult. I hate all adults now. They're all a bunch of douchebags. They all need no. to have their hearts stolen. No, no, I concur. Adults suck. Yeah, adults really suck. So, that, um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, More serendipity, Phil. You know what just came out? Scoob! Which, which uh, does indeed include a guy who would have gotten away with it at all if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Oh, well, there now, you go. I'm curious about Scoob because um, it's got a lot of Hanna-Barbera cameos and like I think Dick Dastardly from Wacky Races is the villain in it. And as an animation nerd, I love that stuff, but I'm not paying 20 bucks to rent it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently it's trying to do to make the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe like Marvel and actually who else has done it lately? Marvel. Everyone else has crashed and burned. I I am down for a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe if it means we get a Hong Kong Fui movie. I don't think that's on the table yet. But who knows? I I can dream. I love Hong Kong Fui. It's quick drama McGraw and and Snagglepuss. Yes, Mm. I love Snagglepuss and Top Cat. Anyway, we were we we derailed the Persona Five pocket. Sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll leak a song to y'all in there because now that you mentioned Scooby Doo, I'm thinking of that song "The Ghost Is Here," but he's really just a fake by Sky Cycle. It's a really cool song. You've never heard of it before. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty cool. But anywho, uh, let's see here. So a lot of that. At, uh, still playing Survivor Emblem first when I'm doing my workouts and stuff. It's my game fire Emblem. And on the weekends, we've been doing some CRPG, you know, club stuff. Playing Din's Curse, Curse of These Are Bonds, and another game that I scan at the moment. We were, play, we were talking about Tangle Teep, uh, and uh, Slay the Spire, which is nothing to do with Dark Spire. <laughs> Absolutely zero to do yeah we we sit around we play we're usually on i seem lately last few weekends we've been on from around 3 p.m eastern through the early evening so if you want to come join us we're right, right there on rp gamers discord uh server there's a streaming channel there you're more than welcome to come hang out and chit chat and watch uh watch me play some old games stick around they even made a party uh, today, Curse, uh, Curse, uh, why did I say Curse of Zerbons? Champions of Kryn. Uh, we made a party of everybody who happened to be on the call today. So now, now y'all's names, including you know Josh and Kelly, your names are forever. You're just you're immortalized in this trilogy. 
Which means I'm probably going to roll a one and die at some point. Oh, there's always lots of death. That's why we save scum. <laughs> yeah, we totally save scum in gold box games because death is just horrible in that game. Like you can uh, assume, me, assume me you can get the party out in one piece. You want to spend the money, you can raise dead just to lose a point in the Constitution? I don't think so. Just so you can lose, like, maximum hit points permanently? No. Not on my watch. That's, that's where the 12th level spell reload game comes into play. <laughs> yeah, it's the most powerful spell in the universe. It's, it's made for those types of situations. But the very first fight, I had two characters get KO'd. Because uh, they... Well, no, it wasn't the first fight. It was the second fight. Because, yeah, they, those games, man, they just love to take your party and throw them against, you know, 12 orcs with three orc commanders. Because... Why the hell not? Your first level, you can handle it. You got a sleep spell. You got this. So, uh, yeah, we were just having fun doing that uh, uh, during the week. So, welcome to come on over and, and check it out. We have a list of the 125 PC games uh, that range from the year 1986 up to 2020 that we're working through. So, come and check it out. But other than that, of course, uh, we appreciate you listening to RPG Backtrack. We will remind you that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Uh, you can come on over there and read on what we're writing up. We've got, uh, we've got, we got some, uh, we got some, ah, we changed our site. So you used to just be able to click on the right. Where's the recent reviews on this thing? Latest reviews. Uh, the there recent? We go. Like, uh, I know. Under yeah. Water Ray Romano got a review. Yeah. Uh, the newest one of those. Which I'm still playing the old one on Steam because I was supposed to do a write up for that. I'm kind of dragging my feet. I need to get back to that. Uh, but it's a. That's. That. Uh, yeah. You'll want to read a review on it. I don't want to want to spoil it. People want to go read for you. We got Trials of Mana. We got. Uh, we got some Final Fantasy VII write up action. Uh, Dragon Ball Z. Kakarot. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's about um Goku. Really? There was an RPG. Yeah. Looks like, like a Musou game. Is it a Musou game? No. Oh, okay. I should have made it. Uh, so... I'm surprised there hasn't been a Dragon Ball Musou game. I know, right? I mean, it's like perfect for it. Uh, so give it time. Give it time. It, it's coming. There are there are so many Dragon Ball fighting games. Maybe somebody will, will finally say, "Let's try something different that doesn't stink." Right. Oh, and I've been I still I've been plugging away more on Persona Q. I I I will tell you I just love that game. I just love it. I I'm not a big fan of a few of the FOEs. Uh, and as we pointed out before, that dialogue man is a little cringeworthy. But, but oh my gosh, the combat system in that game is so good. I still think it's more satisfying than Persona. 5. I I like Royal. Don't get me wrong, great game. But like that 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 combat system. Um, just uh, love it. It's good, good stuff. But anywho, uh, thank you for listening. And you can listen to all our previous episodes there in the podcast section on the website. You can also listen to RPG Cast, Q and A Quest, the Active Topical Banter Show. Those are our other podcasts that you can you can listen to over at rpgamer.com. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, we have a Twitter handle at rpgamer. I'm at JC Servant. Mr. Mickey's at Jew Mason. Oh, what do we have? The other two. What y'all's handles? Um, Red Rock, Red Rock nine six three. And Jay Scarp, right? 
Yep. Yeah. So feel free to both hit us. Of, Go ahead. Both of us post cute cat pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And cute cat pictures are always the best. So hit us up. Let us know. I don't see what... you posting cute pet cat pictures very often, Phil. No. No. My cat's not exactly photogenic. Yeah. Okay. The wife says he is. <laughs> I disagree. I just think he's a, a big gray katiglet. So. What's a katiglet? It's like a piglet and a cat had this. Oh, I, I have a katiglet. Yeah, I know, right? I, I've, I've got a f chonky cat. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Mr. Mickey, do you have something wise and sagacious to put us to bed with? Well, the coronavirus is uh, many, many things, but it is not sufficient to stop the RPG backtrack. At least not yet. If I get coronavirus and die from it, then that will probably stop it. But, but until then, we will continue. Good night. Night. <laughs>